Welcome to the Making Laps Podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Making Laps Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Gleason. Alongside me, as usual, is my co-host and brother, Jesse Gleason. Hello, everybody. And with us on the line, yet again, is Florida Senator Phil Jakes. Where Sounds like those bands that Adam Gata listens to. <laughs> those weird college bands that... Miss May I and those cry baby screamo bands. Oh. No, this guy sounds better. <laughs> my chemical suicide. My chemical toilet. Pay no attention to the thing behind my head, I think. I don't know. It's not mine. It's my wife's. Stop this pain indeed, please. I dare. I, I beg of you. <laughs> okay. okay. It just gets I give better. that a okay. negative three. <laughs> It just gets better. No, the scale is from 1 to 10. You got to stay on the scale. 2.7. I was waiting for 1, but that's fine too. <laughs> nothing's ever a 1 and nothing's ever a 10. That's actually a good way to put it. Yeah, all right. That's it's the a Dave kind of, Portnoy score. Yeah, uh, that's scale. The, the sliding scale of pizza reviews is the same as um, Phil's music reviews for one song. Right, so we usually start our episode off with personal updates, and actually, we have some this week. Isn't that interesting? Yay! <laughs> Clapping. Hit it. That's the only applause we're going to get, so we might as well enjoy it while it lasts. Yeah. There was nothing to clap about this week, but um, it's okay, because I anticipated this ahead of time. Uh I had been taking kind of a more lax approach to this season because last year I really kind of focused on trying to just win races and just run with old setups. But this year I really tried because we got something new in our rules that I never run before. Well, I had I had dabbled in it, maybe in mini stocks and other stuff, but um, I'd never really tried to make it work with my car i'd always just kind of stuck to the rule book and uh i so i i wanted to go down every single avenue that i could to make it work and this race was literally the last race that i was going to experiment and try to make this work and if it didn't work i was gonna just take it out and throw it away and just move on with my life and go back to what i was doing before that actually worked and so I anticipated very little going into this thing. All right, so it was a Tuesday, Wednesday race for Thompson, but we were Wednesday, Thursday. Well, it turned into Tuesday, Thursday, I suppose. The whole um, week affair, basically. But um, we we had an open street stock race on Tuesday, and I was not interested in running it until after we'd run, and somebody told me what start money was, and I regretted not running it. Even just pulling off for Starting Park. Um, I talked to somebody who ran it who didn't finish, and they said they got 200 bucks just to start the race. That's and I pretty was good like, money. I was like, damn it, I could have bought a tire with that. And, so, st- and I, I still wasn't that many cars up there either. Tuesday night, 
What are you going to do? Tuesday night, you know, the mid it's a midweek. Who's going to run? It's really tough. Because More on that in a minute. Yeah. They yeah. were dropping like flies in the beginning of that race, too. Yeah, a lot of guys just breaking or something happening. Uh, so I had helped Je- our buddy here, Jeff Van Pelt. They're a really, really low-budget team. If I thought I was low-budget, he's even worse. Um, but, you know, I, I tried to help them out, and I got him at my shop, and we went through the car and put it on scales and got him ready for that show. Or, no, we got him ready, I think, afterwards. No, he yes. came up. Yeah, he came up Wednesday after that race, right? Yep. Okay. So well, I thought he had to pick up something I from him. Freaking remember, he had to pick up something <laughs> for the tour race. Well, no, he had to bring his car. He brought his car up after the tour race because they're not tour race, the open race. Yeah, the open race. Because he was like lost with the setup and trying to figure it out, and something just wasn't working. And so I'm like, all right, we'll fix it for Thursday. And so we brought it up to the house and worked on it all day and. Found a couple little things that we... Well, the Outlaw Street Stocks had like 22 cars or something. Was it 22? I don't even know. Um, decent. But yeah. that was probably the... You know, the Street Stocks always bring the highest car counts. I'll talk about that later when we actually cover the racing. But... So we went over it and he uh, brought his car home early afternoon. And I'm like, okay, well, my car's done, right? So I bring my car in and I'm like, well, I got two sets of scales here because I don't really trust my main set that I just bought like this year and haven't used more than twice. It, yeah. And uh, I put it on the scales and it said all these numbers that I don't remember it being. And I'm like, that seems strange. It shouldn't be like total weight was like 50 pounds too high. And the left side weight was really high. And I'm like, what is going on here? So I drove to Jesse's shop, borrowed his scales, brought them to my house I built a couple different platforms for my scale pads, and I said, all right, I'm going to roll it onto Jesse's scales. Rolled it onto his scales, completely different numbers. And now I'm like, it's the day before the race. I've had two months to get this car ready. What the hell do I do now? (laughs) Like, the total weight was less than the other scales, which I'm like, okay, that sounds better. But the left side weight was like 54%. The, hey, ma- the max is 55. I'm like, where where did all my weight go? What happened? Hey, you know what else gains and loses weight a lot? Me. Except Oprah. It's, well, it's the gains part. I just gain weight. Oprah does too. So Jesse named my car <laughs> Oprah. It's Oprah now. Because she's a fat piggy. It's a fat piggy, and, it, and then it gets skinny, and then it becomes a fat piggy again. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? Uh, no, it's, again, it's like 7.30 at night, and I get this car on scales, and I'm, like, way off on left side weight. The car's still overweight, and I have to put lead in it in order to move weight around, because there's no lead in the car as it sits. So I'm, like, the only way I can get weight into this car and get the, or the only way I can get the numbers that I need out of this car on the scales is by making the car overweight. So the car's, like, 130-something pounds overweight. But I got all the percentages where I needed to on Jesse's scales, at least. And I said, all right, I have no idea if this is going to help or do anything. So we're going to take it to the track. Take it to the track on Wednesday, and it is utter dog shit. Like, it is a pile. I'm like, okay, well, I know that I can't run this anymore. You know, and so I'm done experimenting. I'm just going to go back to what I had in the car. So I text my wife. I said, hey, you know, I know you're coming to watch, so don't expect a lot. I'm basically just going to try to keep the wheels on this thing and bring it home so I can fix it. Which is pretty much exactly what I did. I mean, if anybody watches me um, on the restarts, I tend to lose a lot of position. But that's because my car is typically sideways by the time we're coming off the corner. 
so I have to lift, or I slide up the racetrack and slam that person into the outside wall, or slam myself into the outside wall. So I have to actually lift on restarts, which is absolutely ridiculous. And then anytime I get to the throttle in the corners, the car snaps sideways, and I'm basically on ice until I get to the straightaway. And it's been that way since last year. So I'm over it. I'm going to rip the race car apart. I'm basically going to take the rear end out of it, throw it away, and try again. So <laughs> I'm done dealing with this piecemealed piece of shit. I'm going to try again. So we finished 10th on track. I don't want to keep doing the more on that later bit. We already did that two weeks ago. But, again, I don't want to give it away. But, my again, we finished 9th. I brought the thing home in one piece. You know, I, I broke some new tires in. I learned a few things, but it's like, you know what? We're just, we have a notebook full of stuff, and we're just going to go back through it and say, this is what worked. I'm just going to do this again. To hell Let's with go back it. to old faithful. Yeah. Start from square one completely and see where it takes us and see what happens because rules have changed. We got different shocks. We got different stuff now. So it might be worth a try. So that's pretty much my personal update. It um, still kind of makes me laugh that you guys, just in general as a division, are still going the same speed as you did back in 2016 with, with better parts. Not exactly. Ray's pace was sevens, whereas back in 2017 it was about flats. Yeah. You know. We had and a couple races. It was high eights, low nines, but that's splitting hairs. Yeah, that's all down to the different shock rule, I think, and different tires. So Yeah, the bigger tires, better shocks. Yeah, guys weren't really turning sevens in features back then. I mean, they could do it in practice and qualifying and stuff, but you get to feature time. The track rubbers up, you can't do it. But now you're actually doing that in features. So it is a little quicker, but, I mean, there's a lot of factors to that, so... I, again, I don't think. Well, I think we race uh, sometime in September. 13th? I think September fourteenth was the next race I saw for you guys. Let's see, September, probably the fourteenth. I'm gonna guess. And what's the twenty second? Yeah, I think it's the fourteenth because I said yep, to somebody, it's a it's Wednesday. Like, I said to somebody, it's like uh, three three and a half weeks. So yeah, it's, it makes sense. So I think we go back September fourteenth. I don't know if we're actually gonna run double header for the street stocks at all or sportsmen, whatever you want to call us. Because uh, I'd heard rumblings that we were going to have a double feature because everybody else has had double features at this point. And uh, that I've, I've had no confirmation of that whatsoever. So at this point, it is strictly a rumor. Complete rumor. So Well, we'll wait and see. That's yeah. all we can do. I mean, it would be nice to get the six out of it that we told my sponsors I was going to have. But If they did, what would you want to see? Twin 15s, twin 20s, twin 25s? Not longer than what we run. So twin, twin 15s or twin 20s. Twin, I think twin 15s would be really exciting for the fans. Twin 15s would be fun. Twin 20s would be typical. Run first yeah. and last. But we twin, don't have Twin to 15s, win. I think the action would ramp up because there's more urgency in a shorter race. Yeah, and that's a problem because then you'd wreck yourself in the first race. and yeah, They have enough problems something. going 20 laps. Yeah, we seem, we seem to have enough problems. Yeah. So anyway... Um, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I've got... Uh, I put my video out of the race. It was kind of entertaining, I guess. It's over at YouTube.com slash Brent Gleason. Uh, I believe I called it Failure is an Option. Um, by the way, anybody who... I mean, you've probably watched me race for a few years now. I mean, watching me kind of fade back 
is not typical. So, I mean, I'm sure that there's plenty of people talking because they do that because they're jerks. Everybody and, uh, talks. Oh, everybody it, it, talks. And I'm sure that they're all throwing dirt on my grave. But yeah. um, let me tell you, it's not the case because, again, I'm stepping outside my comfort zone and trying things that other people aren't trying. And, only one um, way to learn. And, yeah, I'm the only one learning here. And, I mean, people are trying to help me, quote-unquote, but I look at their cars and they're completely different to what I'm running. So I'm like, okay, well, I know what you're telling me. So, yeah. <laughs> we really got to make that louder somehow. Is the browser up, up high enough? This link between the land of the living and the realm of the dead. It's hair green all the time. That's <laughs> such a great movie. <laughs> no idea what it is. It's the crow. Oh. Yeah, for all the zoomers out there, it's the crow. Yeah, Jesse. Definitely not a movie guy. Jesse played the scene with him crawling out of the ground, and then the crow is his link, and he said it can't rain all the time. So, yeah. I was the Didn't crow that guy for... die? Oh, yeah, he died on set. On the movie. Awesome. Brandon Lee? Yeah, he was killed on set. Did Alec Baldwin shoot him? Uh, not this time. But his staff member might have. He might have, yeah. Yeah. It was revenge. Uh, okay, I was so... the crow for Halloween one year, when I was really I hot. have updates, too. For once. I was waiting for Jesse to uh, play the South Park thing where they're, don't everybody come as the crow. <laughs> <laughs> Satan's Halloween party. Yeah. I was waiting for it. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't there. Yeah. Let's get Phil's updates. All right, Phil's He's got his updates. Ready. We got to get his updates too, obviously. I'm racing this weekend. That's it. <laughs> and? No, I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm going to be back behind the wheel of the number 28 Pro Truck down at Auburndale Speedway mm. uh, in Florida here. Uh, never been there before uh, as a driver, so it'll be interesting to try that place out. Is it a short, uh, flat, angry little bullring? It is a short, flat, really angry little bullring with a, uh, I don't know what the word is, but it's known for tearing shit up. Okay, so, so it's just like every other track in Florida except New Smyrna. Got it. Yeah. Well, no, New Smyrna is probably worse than any of them. You hit there, you hit, you're done. Your car is toast. That's just like Thompson, so it's no different. I don't know. I think it's actually worse than Thompson because Thompson actually has walls that make sense. You mean and walls Smyrna, away from the racetrack? Yeah. New Smyrna has broken junk all over the track and pit gates that move and eat your car alive. And yeah. Guys who launch barrels into trucks into the infield. <laughs> that was amazing. That poor truck. <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, uh, 50 lapper. It's. Auburndale's opening back up after uh, they take a two-month summer break. They're one of the few tracks down here that are smart and do that uh, because it rains every week in Florida, yeah, especially the on the Saturdays because race in the Florida w- hates race cars. Florida needs to race when it's winter here because they I've been, can. I've been saying that for years. Florida needs to race from, like, middle of September, late September until the end of May and then take the summer off, but... A lot of these tracks, like 417, is owned by the the airport authority. They have different events that go on in the off-season down there. Uh, Showtime is owned by the city. It can only operate a certain time of the year. Uh, Citrus is owned by the fair board, so it can only operate a certain time of the year. It's just, it's a different world down here when it comes to that stuff. Auburndale and New Smyrna, realistically, are the only ones that could probably get away with something like that. Because they're privately owned tracks. Hmm. 
but yeah, yeah it's wheelman series is running i am not bringing my car for that because i don't want to put a body on it before citrus and on the 24th of uh september so well, you, It'll don't be fun. Be, you don't want to run a physical race what's wrong with that not with those cars <laughs> not with a wedge nose i'd rather have something with a blunt nose that i can if somebody checks up i'm going to run into them not submarine them and knock the carburetor and my windshield off the car well maybe you should have slowed down anyway <laughs> we have the gonna... same brakes on our cars as you do why uh because it's I cheap know. i know well, they're probably also a thousand pounds less Probably, yeah. Uh, 2,800 pounds. 200 pounds less. Three. Yeah. No, not, a ton, not a ton lighter overall. Two, 300 pounds. Yeah. They change direction a lot quicker, though. So, Excuse anything me. else? I just did. I didn't want to step on you at all. No, I don't have anything else. That's pretty right. much it. Hope so, to have some fun and learn a new track and come home in one piece with a good finish. All right, so we are going to move into the fan favorite section of the show. We're going to move into the second segment of the show, which is the DARF comment of the week. Do we have one or multiple this week? We could have as many as like five this week, but I only chose one. So that's all we're going to do. We can give like honorable mentions, I guess, is the words. There's we, a lot of those. Oh, there's a lot of those, but we. I'm just going to kind of go into this one. Feel free to bring up some later, by the way. All right, the DARF comment of the week this week. We have a... Cont- Honestly, this is my opinion. I don't know if this is the board's opinion, but it, we'll see at the end. This might be a contender for finalists, or to be a finalist for DARF of the year, uh, and that's saying something. This was spotted on Twitter by our own Phil Jakes, and it was in reference to a Facebook post put up by somewhere called the Friendship Speedway in Elkin, North Carolina. Should I read the whole post? Because I mean, there's a lot to the it. Time. I mean, there's a lot to it. I mean, it, you've so. set us up for, for something great here, so All I right. want to read the it. I'll read the whole post. Friendship yeah. Motor Speedway posts on their Facebook page. Okay. This announcement is to inform everyone that the all remaining 2022 20, races at Friendship Motor Speedway have been canceled. We are not going to blame tire shortages or the economy because we have consistently had some of the best car counts anywhere in the north or southeast. I'm sorry. The honest reason is that we are not willing to put up with the disrespect and verbal abuse that some of the drivers, crew members, and fans are directing to the track, staff, and owners. When we purchased Friendship Speedway last year, we had high expectations for ourselves to not only clean up the facility, but also the reputation of the track. That's difficult to do, trust me. Uh, we, we wanted to provide a top-notch venue that drivers, fans, and communities should be cr- or could be proud of. After working all winter long, we were slapped in the face with all the negativity as soon as 2022 schedule was released. From what we moved to a group, or from that, we moved to a group encouraging people to boycott the track. As the season has gone on, we have dreaded race Saturdays. After this past weekend, we decided we really don't have to unlock a gate for the track staff and ourselves to be cussed at, spit on, threatened, and disrespected. Geez, that's a lot. Uh, we are done, but sounds he- a bit extra. Yes, we are done, but here are some points you might want to consider. Blah 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 blah. I just I, that was all I felt like reading, and that's all I screen capped. So we'll have to move on from there. All right. Anyway, I love how you showed it to our non-existent YouTube crowd. Well, I showed it to you guys, so that was at least <laughs> proof enough, right? This was then res- it was screen capped and posted on Twitter, and. 
somebody commented on this post. I won't I won't name who originally posted it, but I will name the commenter on it. This was posted by a Twitter user named Justin Glass at jglass one one or one three three. I'm sorry on Twitter if you'd like to yell at him. He says, "Quote." Losing tracks allows the ones that stay around an opportunity to grow and improve. And he puts in parentheses, there's probably a hunting analogy to be had here. If your track closes, barring government involvement, it probably should have. Ooh. Let me just make one point Ooh. real quick. Ooh. This guy works for Penske. Yes, for background's sake, this person actually works in the racing industry or claims, at least, to be a Penske fabricator. <sighs> I I get what he's saying that there's supposed to be a free market and whatever, but there is no free market. It's, it's everything is government involved and government protected and there's government involvement with soil sound ordinance, there's people complaining and with with noises and there's also governmentally protected companies that want to buy the places and put Amazon warehouses there. There's also so, environmentalism. So if he wants to claim a free market argument, it's not there. So I'm going to give him the opportunity to be the DARF of the year. That's pretty bad. Can I read a um, small little diatribe that I wrote? I mean, it sure. is my show. Everybody got to die sometime, right? <laughs> I haven't done the rant because I've cut that out of the show, but this is going to be a little mini one. Just to bring it back a little bit for the people who kind of like it. And it is not government involved, I'm, I swear. All right, there's so one person that does. There's what? One person that likes it. Who is that? I don't know nobody. <laughs> you. <laughs> I don't really like it. That's why I cut it. <laughs> um, okay. This kind of response baffles me because he's saying that tracks that remain open benefit from the tracks that fail, like racers and fans migrate there or something like that. This is not exactly the case. If tracks fail... It's because participation is declining most of the time. If racers went to other tracks when their tracks closed down, there'd be a 500 car count at every track right now. And if fans went to other tracks when their home track closes, the stands would be full everywhere. Uh, None of this is what happens. You complete invalid. Look at the stands. Look at the pits. Participation is in a steady decline and has been since... I don't know, the turn of the millennium, I suppose. Jesse's looking to say something here. Oh, I am, but I'm, I'm waiting for you to get done. Okay. I'm not, I'm not going to jump over you. All right. I'm not jumping down your throat yet. Okay. I have stuff. Everyone is to blame for this. Fans' perception of entitlement. Racers pricing each other out. Racers bad-mouthing tracks and their own percep- or perception of entitlement. Track owners not promoting or doing enough to make it affordable to racers and fans alike. Or even running the place into the ground financially. Cultural shifts away from outdoor activities, green movements, whatever the hell it is. You name it. It's happening. So no, you utter dolt. When tracks shut down, it's bad for everyone in the sport. How can you not understand the climate you work in? Wait. Um, I know why. Because you work in a place, supposedly works for Penske, where your head is in the clouds, shrouded away from the everyday struggle of the common racer, suffocated by corporate sponsors, government lobbyists, a steady paycheck, and an elitist attitude. As they cast their, as they cast their opinion down from their ivory tower. Correct. Yes. You fully embody everything that is at fault with our sport, 
and all of humanity in general. So you, sir, can go fuck yourself as far as it will fit inside of you. Thank you. Probably have, only about an inch. I have a question. Go ahead. How much does a track cost to, to buy? That depends where it is. So they, so these guys bought Friendship Speedway. Yeah. And then they're shutting it down because they got their feelings hurt? That's what I thought, too. I'm like, why don't That's you kind just, of a weak answer. I'm like, wait a minute. Why don't you just throw the assholes out? I mean. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it I'm sorry, kind of but a, it seems kind of a weak answer. Yeah, that's that's a really piss weak answer. I'm sorry, but you're gonna throw away what three million dollars just because your feelings got hurt? It's North Carolina. Who knows? It could be less than one. You know. I mean, good luck to you. Yeah, whatever you do next, have fun. Who doesn't well, piss and moan about something at their local racetrack? You know exactly. Who doesn't piss and moan about anything if they're you know if they're a basketball fan or a hockey fan or a baseball fan? They're all still going to go watch baseball, football, hockey, uh, basketball, Any all, all all those sports. There's DARFs everywhere. DARFs are the loudest. They're going to get a, a lot of the traction because they're violent and ignorant. That Stupid and violent. That's what usually happens. The stupidest people are, who are the most violent are typically also the loudest, which is what you see all over social media. It gives idiots a platform to be an idiot. You know, how many how many posts do you see praising Major League Baseball or praising basketball or, or football or hockey? I like you Major- don't see anything unless it's unless you don't. The type of people that answer like a positive survey are weird. So, well. so you're in you're in the entertainment business. Gotta have a little thicker skin, boy. I agree. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I oh, got God Almighty. So I'm gonna go back to 1999, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong here. But when Riverside Park Speedway closed, you're wrong. Where did all those people go? Oh, uh, a lot of them went to some. Some, some of, them of them kept them. racing. Some. Some. Not a lot of them. I can think of. 13 or 14 that I personally know. Granted, I wasn't around there. I had already moved to Florida when that place, or I moved to Florida the year after that place closed originally. But everybody I talked to said probably about 75% of the racers just sold their stuff and moved on because the rules were so drastically different. They could not change, afford to change the cars over. It wasn't a worthwhile investment, plus the extra travel. Yeah, that's what happens to these tracks. They would have to go somewhere like Thompson, which is drastically different, or Stafford, which is also incredibly different. Plus added travel or Seaconk or things. You know, they'd have to travel north, which they could be different as well. So it just made their lives much more difficult. Right. If if tracks have common rules, race tracks closing probably won't hurt car counts as bad or won't lose cars as bad, but a lot of tracks back then kind of had little unique rule packages here and there. They still do today, but probably not as bad as they used to. But I just don't get the mentality of even granted. I have this week on Twitter publicly wished for a track to close. We will talk about that later. Um, <laughs> yeah, is it. it Texas Motor Speedway? No. Hmm, okay. No, it's it even is a worse. certain little North Carolina bullring that needs to be oh. bombed and buried. And they used to have a TV show. No, 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 no. You don't have to do anything to that racetrack except throw the idiots out. (laughs) 
That's every one of them, including then, the promoter. Then but keep, I, then, I digress. Then keep throwing them out until they <laughs> stop. Right. But the point is, is that nobody <laughs> at this at this juncture can avoid to lose racetracks. You can't build yeah. them. You can't build anymore from all the land is taken up, especially right. around here. And that here. was my thing about mm-hmm. Bowman Gray is yeah. is I would gladly take back any track in the world that we have lost to get rid of that place right now because of the way it's being. But anyway, fair friendship speedway. Like you said, Jesse, have thicker skin. There's better ways to run things and do this. You can't just close down because you got your panties in a wad. Right. Get re- just kick these people out. Every track around the country has these people. Every single fucking track has this group of people. Kick them out. If you don't like what they're saying on Facebook, block them out. Yeah. I mean... Social media is cancer. I hate social media for that reason. It gives people that don't deserve a platform a platform to say what they feel. And I get it that free speech and all this bullshit, but it hurts. It hurts the sport. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Closing that place, I don't agree with it. it. I've heard that they're talking about restructuring what they're doing and bringing it back for next year and all that. But at this point, now you've left a sour taste in all the racers' mouths. Are they going to come back? Probably not. I wouldn't. No. If, if I got my season cut short and told to go fuck myself, I'm going to go find another track to race at. I did it. Yeah, and that's what's the worst part of all of it. I mean, this guy thinks that like racetracks are all close by and people can just kind of jump ship and go somewhere else. And it's like, dude, that's not really the case. I mean, Connecticut... Maybe we could do that because we have three still going. Yeah. Uh, and we also have Seekonk really close by. Um, like, we're in a Other- very, very, you know, well, we're in a good area for this. We could jump ship. But yeah. in reality, a lot of places, like, look at Texas. Texas has what? Besides the Cup Series track, they have one asphalt local track Houston. left. They have one track. That's all that's in left all of in all of Texas, the biggest state in the lower forty eight. There is one asphalt track left. Yep. That's ridiculous. Yeah, the mentality just blows my mind, especially you know? from someone inside the industry. Yeah. Do better. <laughs> well, you know, when the Cup Series isn't running short on tracks, they don't really care because NASCAR right. has never cared about the local series it's almost kind of a uh what is it to them i'm trying to think of the right words it's uh manufactured no it's something you know that they're doing it just because they feel like they should i'm not i'm not thinking the right word here obligatory Uh, yeah obligatory type of thing yeah if nascar loses a track somewhere they just build another one out of a coliseum or they've sacrificed tracks in order to do it look at pike's peak speedway they took the scoreboard and gave that to texas more speedway they tore it down. Just, they well, they didn't tear it down all the way. Cause, no, um, not all the, the whole thing, but the, that scoreboard went to Texas Motor Speedway. They didn't care. The Chicago land's gone. Yeah. They're Hell, turning they're dis- California they're into a... dismantling sh- California. Currently. They're turning California into a short track right as the cars get better and the racing gets better. <laughs> the best two-mile track in the world. Absolute idiots. Like... You couldn't do something right if you tripped over it. <laughs> they should have done that to Michigan. Jesus Christ. Leave California alone. Or if you want a short track in California, guess what's an hour away from Fontana? 
Irwindale. Irwindale. Yep. That's a that's a pretty elite facility. That's like Stafford of the West. Uh, it blows my mind. And then they got Kern County over there, which is another fantastic facility. Luckily, I don't know they, why we're not going to these places. Luckily, Kern County is kind of a newer track that got built and is sticking around, so that's good. Yeah, that was as a result, I guess, of Mesa Marin going away, which was on the complete other side of that town. What, Bakersfield? Yeah, uh, no, Mesa Marin. It's in Bakersfield, yeah. Yeah. Bakersfield's kind of big, though. So, yeah, Bakersfield's kind of big, but it's farm country, so I mean... Anyway, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, so we could keep going on this forever. Or we can move on and probably touch on it later if we want. Yeah, I don't want to talk about Darfs anymore. Me neither. So, um, by the way, let me see what his name is. Justin Glass at jglass133. Shut up. You're a fucking idiot. Go back to building race cars if you're actually doing that. No, not that, Just Don't, don't do that. Don't. No, no, no. No, no, no. That is for someone much better than this asshole. Oh, okay. So, but by the way, we'll move on because uh, we have to pass along sad news. Not that racetracks closing isn't sad. We have sadder news. Uh, legend Art Barry passed away at 86 on Tuesday. He was a longtime staple of the NASCAR modifieds, of modifieds in general in the Northeast. Uh, I know that people know my profession, and I got to deliver to his home a few times. It was cool to see him. Um, just a decent guy, you know, just a stand-up dude. His business is still going with his son, Ken, at the helm. It's Spafco Race Chassis, Spear Point Auto, down in Preston. It's like, it's got to be 15, 10, 15 minutes from my house. It's nice to have that. Um, again, for, for, released from NASCAR, said Barry, a well-known for his work in a modified chassis builder in the Northeast, fielded modifieds for a variety of drivers through the decades. Enjoyed success on the Whalen Modified Tour. It says during the early 2000s, but let's be fair, he was there a lot earlier than that. Um, he had Stefanik driving cars for him. They won back-to-back NASCAR Whalen Modified Tour Championships in 01 and 02. Um, they added a sixth victory in 2003 and separated in 2004. Barry spent time helping his son Ken as he raced. Ken's still a pretty damn good wheel, by the way. Uh, yeah, he, they've won races at Stafford, Thompson, Martinsville, New Hampshire. I mean, you name it. They've, and he's had stuff, Mike Stefanik, Brett Bodine, Mike McLaughlin, Jeff Fuller, Rick Fuller, Reggie Ruggiero, Mike Unitsko, John McKennedy. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Justin Bonson, yours raced his cars. I mean, you name it. There's people that have raced his cars and the Barry name still goes strong today with his grandson, Tyler still racing or now starting his career essentially in modifieds. Ken's kind of taken the business over. Tyler's racing. And uh, he, I believe he made his first open modified start this weekend at Stafford. Um, yeah, kid's, kid's a pretty good shoe, too. He's really coming along very, very well, and I hope for the best for them. But I really do um, wish all my condolences, and I'm sure everybody else does, to the Barry family because he was a legend. Absolutely. Heroes and those legends. Heroes get remembered, but legends never die. That's another great movie. Yeah, I, I never personally had many interactions with him, mostly when I was building my car with Bill McNeil back in the day. But uh, he was definitely a great guy, and he'll be missed. Yeah, I go to his shop all the time because I need some kind of parts, and I would need it immediately. So I'd go down there and bug Kenny and see art in the background most of the time. But it's going to be sad not seeing him there no more. So, 
That sucks. Art Berry passed away at 86. And I did see, I was at Thompson on Tuesday, and uh, Ken and Tyler were both at the racetrack the same day. So um, I didn't know that Art had passed away by then when I'd seen them. But uh, they were doing what they would, I'm sure Art would have told them to do, go to the racetrack, because that's what they did as a family forever. So, yep. yeah, it was just, you know, it sucks. So time marches on, and it's just not going to slow down for any of us. So. All right, I got more news to pass along. I guess I'll uh, bring it up a hair here and talk to the little guys for a minute. Because we rarely talk about them, but uh, the X-Cars. Yes, I am mentioning the X-Cars on this show, and it's by personal request from cousin of the show, Chuck McDonald. Uh, he, mu- he must have won a race. No. Um <laughs> <laughs> they were they were off Wednesday because Thompson was supposed to be running Wednesday, and then it got rained out. And then they got rained gotcha. out anyway, so they weren't going to run anyway, so it didn't matter. Wait, what's that? Tracks working together? Yeah, Waterford's been taking and shutting the track down on Wednesdays when Thompson's been running. They only run like four races on Wednesdays, and it's a nice little break. Start the season earlier, give them a few breaks in midseason. It's just nice to see them working together, that's all. Right, it is very nice. Um, let's see. He wanted to pass along this message because I guess they've got this lined up. Um, the inaugural X-Car Fall Classic presented by Jeff Parker in association with AKA Racing. 40-lap race, $2,500 in race incentives alone, uh, lap money and bonuses, etc. I don't think that's the actual purse of the race. It's just lap money and bonuses. That's what I was told. All sponsors available to view on the AKA Racing Facebook page. Details can also be found there as well. So I figured I'd pass that along for anybody who might be interested in that. Everybody convert your Enduro cars into an X car and go run. It's, I mean, that's actually got some money built up in there. So, hey. It's, it's nice those, to see classes like that. That's almost. You know, the, the purest grassroots divisions have bigger races. I mean, it's basically almost a trophy division. You know, it yeah. almost is. I think they barely pay them a purse. I remember I started in that division in 03, and they only paid the top 10, and you were lucky to get, like, 20 bucks if you finished 10th or something like that. And I think if now, you I think if you won, you won 100 bucks or something like that. I have a challenge to Chuck. Okay. I want to see him bring that car down here and run Speed Weeks at New Smyrna with the Bomber Division. I think those guys would probably hammer them <laughs> it's it's pretty close to the same car it, are they basically stock on street tires with just a center section cage pretty much chuck there's your there's your bet dude yeah he'd probably do it drive 24 Come on hours down. straight I, I know he likes to travel <laughs> and he i know he likes those interesting races i think they only run them twice through speed weeks and it's on a friday saturday Oh, well, there I you think go. they run them with the sportsman guys. So it's like February, right? Something like that. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good escape, good reason to go race. Mm. I'd love to see the the Northeast guys bring their cars down and do that stuff. It'd be awesome. Yeah, and you can stay at Phil's house. It'll be perfect. No, it's two hours away. <laughs> Get a hotel over there. <laughs> Damn it! I'm just saying, come down. I'm not going to be there or helping. Oh, okay. Uh, that's yeah. I'm not that nice. No, definitely not. All right, so I, hey. I, they're, they're fun to watch there. They they haul balls. <laughs> they just don't lift. No, they, they got to crack the throttle or they, they go around. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see. We also got a listener question this week. 
You can pretty much bet who this is from because we only have one listener that actually tries to participate in the show, even though I ask everybody every week, send your suggestions in to uh, makinglapspodcast at gmail.com or have your voice heard at anchor.fm slash makinglaps and use the voicemail option and we'll play it on the phone. (sighs) At least we got one. Chickens. So at least we got one who's not scared enough to actually send us questions. All right. We got another submission from longtime listener and actual participant in sending us feedback and questions. Tyler Owen. He posed us a question for the panel. Says, hey, should NASCAR, I believe, uh, I think he was talking modifieds. Should they trade Langley Speedway for Caraway on the tour schedule? Personally, I say yes, because Langley's a flat piece of shit. And Caraway actually has some racing. Now, Langley's down in the south, right? It's Virginia, I believe. Virginia. Virginia. Yeah. Where's Caraway? North Carolina. It's very close. North uh, Carolina is, I mean, uh, Caraway Speedway is bad ass. Caraway's cool. I like Caraway. Okay. Well, Langley's um, okay if you race a Legends car. Langley's a late model track. It is. Yeah, it's a they, late model stock They track. put on a damn good show with Fender cars there. Modifieds? Eh. Hmm. Not a fan. So it's he also said barring any sort of change in uh, travel expenses, like throw travel expenses out. What do you think? And I'm like, Caraway, for sure. Well, I mean, if there's a ch- if travel expenses aren't uh, involved, let's go to Iowa again. Let's try and see that happen. <laughs> I was so so psyched to see that happen. That was going to be a badass race, and it never took place. That's a long haul. I think it's longer yeah. to go out there than it is to go to North Carolina. I think they were probably going to get like 10 or 15 cars for that race. Yeah, that's why nobody sh- that's why they didn't run it. Cuz nobody could show up the people who, you know, have to actually pay to get out there. It sucks, so. I think COVID was a convenient excuse. It probably was, but again, um I don't think a lot of people wanted to go to freaking Iowa for a modified race. What does Iowa know no. about asphalt modified? They have Nothing. Iowa Speedway. <laughs> so I mean, I don't know if they anybody know would either. be like. They would be they bringing would, the show to Iowa. Yeah, would they want to be like? Are they curious? Would they go out of curiosity, or would they avoid it out of not knowing? I mean, there's I there's a track somewhere no in the northwest that has our type. Well, your type of modified, our type of modified suck, but your type of modified. But I don't know what it's called, and they have weird tire rules. Hmm. So yeah, I'm not. I mean, North Carolina at least they got smart tour stuff, and they could actually get something. Other than bringing the show by themselves out to somewhere completely, yeah. you know, disassociated from modified culture, you know. I, I've been to Caraway a number of times for the North-South Shootout and just other Southern modified tour races over the years, and that place is fantastic. Racing, the racing there is always good. Yeah. And well, the dri- the road in is great because you're just driving to a trailer park and all of a sudden a racetrack appears. Oh, Jess, by the way. Did you know that you could pay for the pay-per-view for the Oxford 250 on Speed 51 Racing America? <laughs> oh, what is it? 69.99? I have no idea. I didn't even look. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to look it up see how much is it on top I'm of my working annual on it. I'm working on it. Is the coverage going to be as great as uh, Racing Scamerica provided for Thompson this past Racing week? Racing Scamerica, yeah. <laughs> Live go. events, let's see schedule. No. <laughs> Damn it. Oxford 250, let's see, purchase pay-per-view. I bet it's fifty four ninety nine. Whoa, try again. More? <laughs> All access pass, two-day pass, 
How much do you think, Jess, without looking? Okay. Well, I haven't seen it, so. Okay. Right. Take a guess. How many days? Two. Saturday, Sunday. One twenty nine ninety nine. Phil? For a two-day pass? All access. By the way, you save five bucks by purchasing the two-day pass. I'll say seventy four ninety nine then. <laughs> Phil nailed it to the scent. <laughs> He's got to be cheating. Well, so. <laughs> no, because so I figured it, when you said show us your day, screen, I thought forty dollars a day, and then you said five dollars off. So show us your no, me. show us your screen. Show it. We need to know. No, you got a computer screen in front of you, and we know that. So <laughs> whatever. Uh, host disabled. Screen yeah, sharing. Okay. Sick. Well, we'll have Here, to just, I'll just ta- take a picture of it. So <laughs> you're telling me it. that for uh, the cost of an annual membership to whatever it is you get on Speed 51 Racing Scamerica, mm-hmm. you can get the Oxford 250 all access. $75 it's, for that's two the, days. That's almost I could the cost drive of to, the whole thing. I could drive to Maine and get tickets for cheaper. Let me see. Phil's no, screen I, I want just has us on it. All right, so I'll I'll take his word for it that he actually guessed this one on the I'll, button. I'll even prove to you with my web history. Hold on. <laughs> no, no, no. We're good. Thank you. I don't need to see what kind of <laughs> weird porn you're into. Um, oh boy. Yeah, we're not I mean, we're not doing that. Come on, the handicap porn is fun. No, it's not. Those poor. Don't people. try to lighten it down with handicap porn. Okay. Okay. <laughs> We're those poor people. You're exploiting them. Yeah. Anyway, no, uh, yes, I have 70- no idea. That's crazy. <laughs> Seventy-four. No. Ninety-nine. That race isn't that important. I'll watch it later. Ugh. No. I'll go watch I'll, it. I'll watch someone's pirated copies off YouTube. I'll just go to the race. So you mean for the cost of a year's worth of flow? Almost. I could get racing Scamerica for a whole year. This one race. Get nothing and then get that one race. This one I like race. That everybody likes how I called it racing Scamerica. I too. love I it. Phil. So many likes on, this, on Twitter. This is half the price of a full year of flow racing membership for one race. That's well, you probably have gonna, to add for the for Here's the, the worst part though. This is probably going to be one camera with no replays. Maybe two. Maybe two cameras. No replays. And they'll have data problems creating signal issues where it's pixelated in the video. Oh, we lost race. Phil. He's on Race America. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, there's no uh, rundown. There's no nothing. You get bare bones if you're lucky. I mean, come on. Man. No. no. They'll have a second camera isolated so it just shoots at the uh, scoreboard. Now, obviously, don't get me wrong. Oh, I know all this You know, kind of helps racing because i know they get a cut of it i know racing america gets the most of it because they're putting on the show or the the broadcast i should say uh the racetracks do benefit from pay-per-views like this uh they benefit from flow racing it's all good for that but who i'd rather drive to maine and pay the pay the admission fee to go to this one but the oxford 250 it's a big race it is one of the biggest if not you know the biggest super late model race in the country next to the snowball derby and um it's something you really don't want to miss but 75 bucks whoo that's tough well you know i'll go back to third uh tuesday thursday real quick i gave racing america a ton of crap Mm -hmm. and they said oh well we're having data issues that's why there's signal problems why do you then the wheel and modified tour came on on flow racing (laughs) five minutes after the speed 50 or racing america broadcast ended 
and the picture was perfect. It they was had multiple brilliant. Cameras. I rewatched it. No interruptions. No, no it issues. Was, it was perfect. Yeah, I, I watched. Mean, they were it. on the same network. I had it on my phone <laughs> in the parking lot as we were gr- grilling cheeseburgers, dogs, and drinking beers after the race. Yeah. So well, and, and it was on my phone thing. just fine. I saw they they had one of the uh, flow racing cameras panned across the grandstands, and I noticed up on the tower you could clearly see one camera over here, and then flow racing setup. And flow racing setup had the huge antenna and all that stuff, mm-hmm. and the Speed Fifty One was this little dinky antenna just sticking up like. What, invest in your product. For all the money you're making us spend, invest in your goddamn product. I agree. Yeah, they could really do better than what they are. I don't like to say do better, but I'm saying... I was going to say, there you go again. I know. I'm, I'm not saying do better. I'm saying you can do better with what you're getting. So, I appreciate what they do. Just, goddamn, invest in your product. Yeah, reinvest it in your product. Because there's people leaving the service. I've stopped subscribing. I don't watch it anymore. And all the Wheelman shows and this week's Auburndale show is going to be on there. I prepaid but, for a year because it was cheaper, so I'm kind of locked in now. Oh, that sucks. Oh, well. I can watch the Wheelman race if it's going to work. <laughs> you, usually it will because Auburndale actually has good internet. Oh, well, there you go. I, I have decent internet, so maybe it'll actually come through. You can watch me suck live on Speed 50 or Racing America, whatever it is, this week. I'd rather be on flow. Anyway, uh, yes. <laughs> the reason why the flow broadcast was so much better also was because they did have resources from NBC because I believe they have that partnership with the tour with NASCAR and NBC and all that stuff. So Because um, they invested in their product. Correct. Also correct because they actually built their company up further and further and further. That's why they're – well, that's why they've overtaken Speed 51 because Speed 51 was almost the pioneer into this. And then Flow Racing kind of came along after them and then completely surpassed them. Yeah. They did better. They did better. Speaking of Thompson, why don't we go through the results of Thompson? Because I got a few things to talk about. Yeah. Well, All right. Well, Tuesday, let's keep Tuesday short. Yeah, Tuesday's going to be pretty short here because uh, Mini Stocks, uh, nine cars started this race. And... That's not really much different than a lot of the other car counts, right. if I'm going to be fair, because Minis had nine cars. I think SK Lights had 10 cars. Yeah, they had 13. 13. Uh, SKs had like 10 cars. Yeah, they had 10 cars. I did not take the car count for the Street Stock Open race because it, it was over 20, so that's good enough. It was like 20. I, my notes, I can't read it because it's an alcoholic, but it's it might be 22 <laughs> or 26. I, I will say the mini stock race on Tuesday was probably the most entertaining race of the weekend. They put on a good show. It well for the, the most the leader part. Spinning himself out into the infield. Was, yeah, I don't know what happened there because he went down pit yeah. road. He must have broke a hub or something. Something happened. Uh, Bill Schuler, he was out to a big lead. He's an old school mini stock guy. Does a lot of officiating at Seaconk and stuff too. I see him there all the time. Uh, Dave Trudeau and Kevin Moore battled for second. It was a hornet's nest through the rest of the field, which is, you know, eight cars. Uh, six to go. Trudeau and uh, Jared Roy battled for third, and then the leader spun on his own somehow. I don't know why. So again, I think he broke a hub because it's front-wheel drive. Um, and he ended up in the infield going into one. He pulled onto pit road, handing the lead to Kevin Moore. Trudeau lost uh, P3 to Glenn, or was it? what's his name, Roy? Jared. Jared Roy, I'm sorry. Jared um, Roy and Glenn Roy were both in there. Oh, okay, uh, so it was Glenn Roy. 
Uh, I forget who the hell's who half the time. So. The one is the one is J Roy. The oh. eighty one is G Roy. Oh, one and okay. So yeah. he's the eighty one is G Roy. Gotcha. Yes. All right. I had to get them straightened out because I haven't seen a mini stock race like all year. So uh, I haven't been able to. Uh, Roy almost spun. He had to regroup. Try again. Uh, Kevin Moore, Jared Roy, and uh, Dave Trudeau would be your top three. Kevin Moore won, I think, uh, at least his second of the year on three races, so that's not bad. That car makes stupid power. That thing was honking so on the fast. bottom. <laughs> it was honking down the bottom. That AP power was pretty good. Now, the SK Light Race, again, they didn't have a lot of uh, cars, but it looked pretty exciting for most part. There was a lot of uh, action. Uh, I think I missed because of the start, but I think Mark Bakai led the field to green, immediately pressured by Todd Doulard, and Doulard took the lead. Uh, I don't. I hope I'm right on that because I was walking over, watching from like the pits, <laughs> trying to take notes while walking. Um, only a few laps later, Johnny O'Sullivan would take the top spot. Stephen Chapman tagging along. Chapman would battle on the bottom to try to wrestle the lead away from the uh, for the better part of like ten laps until he could snooker the top lane away from O'Sullivan. Uh, and then take the lead, I believe. And then two laps later, Anthony Farino spin high off a of four, bringing out the yellow. Lap 16, Corey Caddick cut a left front tire, kept it rolling and off the wall. The green would stay out. Chapman still out front. Four to go. Doulard would spin off a of four, bring out a yellow. O'Sullivan and Chapman absolutely fought each other for the win after minor contact. It was O'Sullivan who retook the lead and was able to win the first round of the doubleheader. Uh, let's see. Mark Bakai, Nathan Pitko, and Josh Carey all tangled off a of two, and the officials let the race finish. But to me, there was really no danger, be- so they threw the yellow as soon as they crossed the finish line to let the race end. So instead of throwing the yellow on the last lap, which I really hate. Yeah, uh, I hate it when they do that stuff. But there was no danger, so I feel like they were justified in doing so because once you throw the yellow and you cr- once you cross the finish line on the checkered flag, you're slowing down. You know, and the, right. race-, the race director comes over and says, hey, there's trouble over two guys get it woed down. You know what I mean? So yeah, you get woed down before you get in the turn two. Oh yeah, I'm at I'm at caution car speed before I even get off two before I without even hitting the brakes. So open street stocks. All right. Chad Baxter led for quite a while while Ryan uh Ryan Waterman pestered him for a good long time. Chad would lead with until about thirty to go, and Paul Newcomb, who absolutely like blitzed through the field, which is he had to start typical. last. Yeah, he had to start last. Uh, took the lead, but never really went away from the field. He was kind of smoking, if anybody noticed that, like the whole race. Anybody notice the smoke going off Newcomb? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah I was told by cars behind him that there was uh, lots of fluid coming out of the back of that thing. So I was ah. actually shocked that he didn't get black flagged for me, any reason. Kind of me too, you know. I mean, uh, the officials must not have thought he was smoking enough to pull him in, I guess. Um Baxter was able to hold on until a handful of laps ago when Newcomb stretched out his lead and uh, took a commanding win in the $1,500 win open street stock race. Always went green to checkered. It did go green to checkered. It's a 50-lap freaking street stock race green to checkered. Unbelievable. I mean, I was there helping Jeff Van Pelt. He had some part issues that we had to Band-Aid, and the Band-Aid only really lasted about half the race. He had, and Phil would be very well vested in this car because it used to be his. So we've been keeping him up to date on it. Uh, I even video called him when it was in my shop and showed him around the car. Um, but I guess Jeff texted me. He said, hey, because he had this problem where the car would go down the straightaway and just like dog walk. It'd be all over the racetrack. And he had no idea why. He's like, hey, I found the right rear caliper. It was like seized on. 
I'm like, whoops, well, that'll do it because now, now it's like the right rear is trying to hold the thing back and the left rear is like trying to drive the car. So no wonder it's dog walking all over the straightaway. He got one wheel stopping and the other one not. So that's really strange, but he got that fixed, hopefully. I told him the rock auto, the parts, would be cheaper. Yeah, he's getting two new calipers for it and new spacers and new pads and all that stuff. Yeah, I would because it probably overheated the shit out of the right rear now. Uh, SK, Steven Kopsik won a snoozer with 10 cars. I didn't watch it, so whatever. So <laughs> Sorry, SKs, but... Too Let's bad go to Daniel th- Weapon wasn't in the field. Yeah, I don't know if they let him. Let's go to Thursday, what do you think? Let's do it. Because there were some interesting storylines on Thursday as well. Late models. Jordan Adley led the field to green. Woody Pitcat would follow him through to second. Tom Carey the third. Went around after a three-wide move on lap five. I didn't quite see exactly what happened there. Uh, lap six, Derek... Uh, I'll just say his name. Derek Gluchaki and Brian Tagg made contact. I'm not going to say it this week. And uh, Gluchaki spun into Joey Parker, causing some cosmetic damage to both cars. I don't remember if Tag was sent to the back for that, was he? He was. He was sent to the back. Okay. I didn't hear it on the broadcast. I must have been looking at TikTok or something. He didn't change his lane, but he got sent to the back. True. Um, <laughs> let's see. You clear yourself when there's a car there. Yeah. Another restart, and the top two would remain unchanged. Ryan Morgan would pressure Pitcat for second heavily. And Josh... Or, um, Tom Carey, there's two carries, would rebound to also join the battle for second. Order would not change to the end with Jordan Hadley unofficially winning. Uh, I say unofficial because the order changed in post-race technical inspection because the winner Hadley had de- had been DQ'd for not running the res- required restrictor plate on his specific engine, awarding the win to Woody Pitcat. Now, if anybody doesn't really know ACT rules, and this might be old news. I don't know if I'm actually accurate on this, but this is how it always used to be, because I used to keep up with the rules. The Ford engines, because they did offer a couple different engine packages in the ACT. If you ran the authorized Ford engine, you had to run a specific restrictor plate to make it the same basic power as the GM car, because it was built up a little bit more. Am I wrong in that? And I believe you also had to bolt on a specific amount of lead to the front frame horns of your car as well, just to make up the difference in the engine weight. Yeah, I think it was like 25 pounds over each control arm or something in that area or whatever, and then the restrictor plate. But yeah. Yeah. I I, I like the package idea. It gives you an option. It doesn't pigeonhole you into just one single crate motor, which Jesse, I know he's got a finger on the Jesse looks very, very confused over here. Why would you have a crate motor division? Where you have two different crate motors, but you have to... There's three, actually. Four. There's four? Why? There's two different 604, GMs. 604, 602, 603, and the Ford. Oh, that's right. You can run a 604, you but you got to knock that one back, too. almost any crate motor. Your 602, 3, and 4, and well, the Ford. Why aren't they even bothering with, with this? What uh, This is... Because uh, it gives you different options. For you can take the 604 motor and go run as a pro stock. Yeah, you can unbolt the the restrictor you, plate and you can go race your cars as a pro stock. You can take the 602 and I believe you uh, go run up at Monadnock as one of their limited late model sportsmen. So what about yes. the Ford? You just got to run a little bit of a restrictor plate. Yeah, but the why Ford are we is even just bu- an option for guys like Moose that don't the like six, Chevys. The Ford, yeah, they they just give you all the options. There's a, there's Ford you bodies they ju- give you the Ford the Ford crate motor. So that's Listen, cool. you can't complain about crate motors and then they give you a bunch of op- options for different motors and still comp- complain. There's actual parody for once. 
Jesse. Yeah, but why? I don't know. It's just weird if you're going to have a crate motor division and not make everyone be. Uh, the People's Republic, uh, the People's Republic of Democratic Crate Motors. It's <laughs> one of the most competitive late model divisions in that region of the country. So yeah, that was a great race. One, that was single file taxi cabs. There was only I'm like. T- 10 I'm not of them. talking I mean, about just expect? Thompson. Thompson sucks for those cars. Well, in my Thunder opinion. Road, they're amazing. Thunder Road, go when they're at New Hampshire. Oh my God, they're a blast to watch there. They are pretty they fun in the, New Hampshire. The 200 that they just ran, they run them at the Milk Bowl. They have a uh, race for them at the Oxford 250. That's always fantastic. <laughs> yeah, the Oxford race is a lot of fun. That model of car or, or build of car, whatever you want to call it in general, is just, I love them. It's a perimeter chassis late model with, you know, a crate engine with decent, you know, semi-adjustable shocks and an eight-inch tire. You did say one thing there, though, that I don't like about that class. What's Why that? are we running perimeter cars? Because it just—that's what they said to run. I mean, if I, you run a if you run a straight rail chassis, what are you going to do for a weight penalty? You got to figure something out. Uh, they don't want to, you so could that's take their a rule. Straight rail car and go race super late models, pro stocks, whatever. Or you could just run a perimeter chassis car and be okay with it. <laughs> Or you could just run a straight rail car as an effing pro stock. Yeah, you could run it as a pro stock. There's no problem in that. I don't know. I, I You don't need like, to make it like overcomplicated. The street stocks have one chassis. I think they Two. should have late models in general, whether it's a pro stock, super late, or a, an ACT late, should all be a straight rail. Hell, my car's a straight rail. It doesn't have to be. See, now you're asking everyone to buy a Ford engine with a straight rail car, basically. You're basically, saying. you're saying, okay, now you have to be pigeonholed into buying this, because this will probably be the thing that's faster. It's going to be faster. It's like a street stock that when they allowed freaking tube chassis cars. Once they allowed the Johnson and, and other hams types of cars, now everybody's running those, and that's the car to run. Wait, if you have let me old go shit, look at my living room at the trophies that kicked every freaking tube car's ass in 2016. Yeah, because you had a crate motor, and they didn't. They all got crate motors by the end of the year, and I still stomped a black old mud hole in their ass at the fucking World Series. I had a built you were, motor. You were the best I, comrade. I had a, well, I had a built motor, and I was on his ass the whole open the whole World Series as well. So I mean, Come, you were the red scare. That, That's what you that, were. That year of that division, 2016, 2017, was, just was the best weird. era of street stocks at Thompson, in my opinion. Yeah, that was just a fun time. All right, so we should move on because, oh, by the way, Woody Pitcat got the win, and uh, that was his 50th win at Number Thompson 50. Speedway, which is pretty and cool. First win since his dad passed, too, so that was cool that he even got to celebrate it in traditional victory lane. Actually, I believe the open, no, that was this week, wasn't it? That was, shh. we'll talk about we'll that. We'll talk about later it later. Okay, we'll show. go back. Yeah, that was the first win. Okay, forget it. Yes, um, this one was, yeah. SK Light. Thursday. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see here. Meg Fuller took the lead into turn one as Dicey Racing behind really looked kind of messy, but it all seemed to work itself out. Nathan Pitko cleared the mess and caught up to Fuller. Uh, I think that he knew who the hell won. Johnny O'Sullivan won the first one, right? Yes. That's right. 
Nathan Pitkill crashed the first one. I'm getting my notes confused, and I actually wrote them properly. All right, so Nathan Pitkill cleared that mess. He caught up to Fuller, but the caution would fly with for a three-car incident in turn four. I believe all continued. Fuller would lead on the restart, but Pitkill would catch up again, take the lead. Uh, Chapman and Goodrow were behind, and they would battle for second, but they would not catch Nathan Pitko, who would pick up the win. I think he's already won one at Thompson this year as well. Yeah, he won the icebreaker thing. Yeah. Whatever. Who cares? Nothing against him, but we right. want to get to the street stocks. <laughs> Limited sportsmen. There's my race. Okay. You won't hear about me this time, so that's good. Uh, the limited sportsmanship <laughs> is what they should call the division. Yeah, the limited sportsmanship <laughs> division. <laughs> uh, yeah. We have a lot of opinions about this, and here we go. Nate Taylor led the field to green. He was pretty strong in his heat race and all day. Uh, on lap one, Jeff Van Pelt, Tim Poulin, spin off four and bring out the yellow. Uh, Taylor was challenged by Nick Hovey until contact slipped Hovey backwards a little bit. And then the next lap, Jason Chicolas made contact with Hovey's left rear and pushed him sideways all the way down the backstretch, and then Hovey spin midway down the back straight, and somehow everybody, including me, missed him. Dude. Barely. Barely. Dude, I'm sorry. That's probably one that's not even stupid. It's past stupid. It goes something it goes somewhere past dumb. Because he got into him from turn two and finally for his sake, Hovey got spun around at the star at the end of the Thompson sign mm-hmm. not at the, on the wall in the back straightaway. That's half the back straightaway. Yeah. I'm starting to understand why Joey Coach showed his ass that year to, to Jason Chicolas, literally <laughs> and figuratively. Well, I mean, it, it, stuff, stupid stuff like that will drive any man to, to the brink of sanity. Do you drive car, race cars or drive into race cars? Because... A little of both. <laughs> I mean, what did you th- what did you think was going to happen? You know, I mean, you thought that N- Nick Covey was going to be impressed. No, he's not impressed. Think he's going to be scared? No, he's not scared either or intimidated. You think that race control was going to be impressed, or you got one by him on race control? No, you didn't. Okay, and race control <laughs> sent his ass to the back. You yeah. had a fast car, and it could have won the race. It was moving, but guess what? Where are you going? He ain't going nowhere. He's going fucking nowhere. Where we, we will never nowhere. nowhere. We will never see the full potential of that seven car as long as he's driving it. I mean, that's just beyond dumb, okay? It's not even arguable. It's it's inarguable, okay? So don't even make an excuse or say, oh, you're wrong. No, you know what? If you want, if anybody has anything to say about it, just say, hey, you know what? I'm an asshole, and then they can tell me to go fuck myself. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much the long and short of it. <laughs> that was dumb. Yeah, I agree. Um, I barely missed that. I could not see a spinning car because I was too far back to see. And I'm like, oh, I don't know where he's going to be. I'll just go this way. And then he ended up that way. And I'm like, maybe I will should go back this way. And I floored it and went back to the right and missed everything. And Scott Sundin was behind me. He had no idea where to go either. He's like, I'll just go through the grass. Gleason went that way. I'll go this way. And everybody missed him. So. Hope he didn't pop yeah, a tire or nothing. So that had potential to be really big. Yeah, I almost destroyed that sixteen car. So I'm glad I didn't. I, um, I'm sure the guy that just bought it's glad you didn't too. Oh, Jeff. Yeah, <laughs> different Jeff. This guy raced up at Manadnock in a mini stock. So he's coming to Stafford, I guess. So he's a watcher of my channel. Nice. Uh, Corey Fanning would challenge Taylor for the lead and uh, take it as a yellow flu for Bill Porter spinning off turn three. Um, Jesse, you have something 
Oh, oh, I have stuff to comment on about that. Oh, you, this is kind of a aren't precursor. You gonna, to... Aren't you going to wait till the end? Oh yes, because you know we should tell the whole story. Because yeah, uh, there, why don't you set up the whole thing? Uh, Fanning really kind of ran up Taylor in turn one and two. It was really obvious. I mean, you you know, there's a strip paved into the Thompson corners. That's kind of the, everybody considers that kind of the low line. Yep. Well, he was about two cars above that, and Taylor was above him. So I mean, that's uh, pretty far up the racetrack. I'll say one and a half. It was one and a half lanes up, okay? And uh, let's see, that wouldn't change because uh, the battle for the lead for the rest of the race came down to Fanning, Larry Barnett, and Zach Robinson. And the battle was physical, to say the least. I saw a bunch of guys, a bunch of times guys chopping each other, making contact down the straights. washing guys, each other in the left rear. Washing guys up, knocking them out of the way. Barnett would take the lead. And I'm like, Jesus, why is, you know, how is he not getting away <laughs> But uh, Fanning would, I've lost my notes, battle back, take the lead back with two to go. Uh, I'm sure Jesse's got his viewpoints at this point because I'm kind of waffling. All right, so he so he crosses the finish line first. All right, here we go. All right, here's the, all right so here's what he says in victory lane. Uh, Corey. We got mono on the here. restart, uh, Larry was able to get you, but you're able to get him back there and uh, get back to victory lane here in the sportsman. Yeah, I mean, uh, Larry, he's uh, probably got the most laps out of everybody here, and uh, I have all the respect for him. And uh, about two laps prior to that restart, he kind of washed up more than what he knows is uh, okay. So, uh, you know. Pause. Pause. Okay. <laughs> Let's break this down. Let's Let me break this down and even translate it for you a little bit. First of all, he made two mistakes, which were the entire two restarts, because he let Larry on the inside. The first time, Larry almost got him. And then the caution flew. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, nah, he's not going to let Larry go go start on the inside of him again. There's no way. Because everyone knows Larry is on the bottom. Mm-hmm. Okay? Larry's bottom a go- feeder Barnett. Larry's a goddamn legend. And I have, like Corey said, I have more all the respect in the world. And yep. he is a bottom feeder. And it definitely works out for him because he's got way more wins and championships than everybody in this room combined. Okay. on that track combined. Okay, so... Besides yes. Scott. Besides okay. Scott. Scott you, was on the track. You can't give Leadfoot... I'm not even calling him Leadfoot, okay? What do, you, what, do you, what do you think be the bottomest bottom feeder name would be? It would be Leadfish. Okay? Catfish Barnett. We're talking Leadfish, bottom feeding, <laughs> crayfish. He's, he's the master of the bottom, man. He can make Lobster. It work. Larry the Lobster. Yeah, no, it's Leadfish. Okay, <laughs> it's friggin' lead fish. He's got a lead belly and it stinks to the friggin' bottom. All right, poor Larry. We love Larry. I love all of, against Larry. So you let him ha- do it again twice. I'm screaming on the court. He's like, what are you doing? You can't do that again. Ow. And that time he got him. So after probably sinking in, it's probably sinking into his head. Like, hey, you know, he's probably embarrassed because he let Larry underneath him, gave it to him by starting on the outside. So he's probably, number one, embarrassed about that. And that's probably what fueled. And number two, he was kind of holding Larry down for a little while there. Okay? A lot. Like a lot. Not Which not I, pinching him into the into the infield, but definitely holding him down pretty good. To be fair, I don't blame him because I do the same shit. You know, I mean, I right. don't blame him. It's for the lead and whatnot, but you have to understand that if you're going to race a guy hard, if he's going to take his, he he's that far alongside of you, he's got to take his racetrack back. 
Right. If, well, you, it, it, if you also hold, if you hold somebody it, down like that, you have to expect to get moved up because that's you're what I'm saying. Down, which is every time I hold somebody down, I expect to be moved up. Exactly. And we we've all raced against Larry too, and we know that he will go to any length to avoid contact with you while racing. Right. This is because this it is slows right. him. Down. That hot dog mobile is always immaculate. Right, and you're not going to ever accuse Larry of. Of violating the non-aggressive principle and and striking first, like he said there in that interview. Yeah, like more was okay. No, wait a minute. Okay, he probably saw you run Nathan Taylor over in the friggin' Rhode Island. Okay, and probably say, you know, hey, I'm gonna have to take my spot. He ran, he ran him into Coventry for God's sakes. Yeah, is that near that place? I forget. It, where it is. <laughs> Everywhere in Rhode anywhere. Island is, is anywhere close Rhode Island close enough. Yeah. Okay, he probably ran into the shithole wound socket or something. <laughs> but yeah, that that's uh, you can't say that Larry initiate. If there's one guy out there on the racetrack that you can run safely against is Larry Burnett. Yeah, bar the, none, no no question. Unless you race him like an absolute pig, maybe he'll get into. So it. so yeah. So to summarize, he probably was a little embarrassed, and he had to rough him up, get by him to save face. Yeah, that's probably what that really was. But that would not be the case because he was the unofficial winner. And as I said before, uh, as I say that, uh, because I was told by, well, many credible sources, even though it wasn't announced via the media, uh, and I still have yet to see an actual result from the race posted officially, uh, credible sources later claim that he was DQ'd in post-race technical inspection for uh, crankshaft height being too low, which would hand the win to Zach Robinson. And I keep searching Robinson's pages and seeing that he was awarded the win. So I'm like, okay, I'll just go with that. Took the trophy home. Probably not. Uh, he did. <laughs> who did? <laughs> Zach did. No, he probably didn't get it. Uh, we'll move on to the... Oh, no, what? there's a picture on social media of oh, it. Oh, he's got it? Okay. Well, oh, I yeah, he physically that, had it. I know Phil's that, confirming this. Well, I know that there's a history of uh, people getting DQ'd and not giving the trophies away. So um, so we'll move on to the NASCAR. Whalen modified Maybe it wasn't that race. nice of a trophy in their opinion, you know? Uh, <laughs> it was the exact one. same trophy that I got for best appearing car in 2018. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Uh, a trophy is a trophy at my at this point. I just want one again. Uh, all right, so uh, Whalen Modified Tour showed up to Thompson for the first time in a few years, at least since 2020. Uh, and God, was it needed. It was, you know, God almighty, the tour needs to be at Thompson. Yep. It's, it's not a really a, good tour modified it track. It is not a great SK track. We can all admit that. Or SK light track. It's not really a great SK light track. Even late models kind of struggle there. It's a great street stock track. Uh, Minis have oh, been yeah. known to put on a great show. IMSA Super, Isma Super Modifieds are great there. Uh, the Bush North, whichever they are called now, Arca East, I think. They were pretty good when they had car counts, but now they suck. Uh, but they suck everywhere, so that's not really a comparison. Anyway, uh, NEMA Midgets are good there. Like I said, you got to kind of pick and choose, but Tour Modifieds belong at Thompson. It is a fantastic tour modified track. And uh, Jimmy Blewett led the field to green in the tour's return to Thompson for the first time in a few years. Uh, it is a fantastic tour track, like I said. Ronnie Williams would take the lead early, 
But so would Craig Lutz, who won the last event held at Thompson in uh, 2020. I believe he was actually driving for the same team as well. I believe he's in the Danny Watts car back in 2020 as well. Uh, let's see here. Ryan Priest filled in for Bobby Santos in the Tineo 44. We can talk about um, where Bobby was later in the show because I think we're going to touch on that maybe as a topic. Yeah, we will. Um, we'll let you know. Yeah, that'll be towards IndyCar highlights. Suicide Central. Oh my God! Yeah, we'll 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 mention the craziness that he involved. <laughs> yeah, the race in. rained out, so he had to go drive the big bottom girls down at uh, Worldwide Technology Speedway in a Silver Crown Gateway. Yeah, yeah, Gateway Silver Crown cars. We'll talk about that. Um, let's see here. Lots of cars are bottoming out low in turn two. Did you notice that? It's uh, understandable because that bump's been there forever, uh, especially on low tire pressures. Those guys were bottoming out bad in turn two. Some guys were bottoming out all race. All the way around, yeah. Uh, let's see. Lap 58. This was kind of stupid. Gary McDonald went for a solo spin off turn four after he wandered up into second place Eric Goodale on the straightaway. On the straightaway. <laughs> Thompson's got long straightaways, by the way. You don't really wander around on straightaways because you're coming out of a corner. Uh, he was definitely out of the way and just kind of wandered up the racetrack he until he literally ran into Eric Goodell. Well, the map blew up into his helmet, you know? So. Oh, my God. Anyway. Um, Garmin freaking malfunctioned. Not great. Lots of cars would pit, but not Lutz or John McKennedy. Lap 69... Nice. Uh, Walt Sutcliffe spun <laughs> into the infield. I could not do it. And brought out another yellow. Uh, lap 75, Doug Kobe would spin Andrew Krause after bumper contact with Tyler Ripkema in turn three. And stack up Ripkema, Ronnie Williams, Dave Sapienza, and Patrick Emmerling stopped before being collected. They all seemed to drive away from that. That was actually pretty impressive. Yeah, they all managed to get away with it somehow. I think uh, Kobe probably flat-spotted tires, but he barely missed the wall. He came to a stop. Yeah, it was like three inches away. Yeah, I know Kraus didn't really get hit either, so it's everybody kept going. Uh, Patrick Emling stopped before being collected, like I said, but he had a tough day because in practice he lost a left rear coming out of two, and uh, that thing looped hard and smashed the gate coming off of two. That was actually in time trials. Oh, it was time trials? I thought it was practice. Time trials. I couldn't tell because I'm pit right off the back, but I can't hear the announcers. So I'm just kind of doing my own thing while they're doing whatever. That was an unhealthy crunch. Yeah, we heard loud spinning and then against the wall. And we're like, ooh, that sounded bad. Who was that? And they didn't tow the car past us because we were pit on the uh, backside there where the skid pad is. So we couldn't see it. And we didn't feel like running over to the fence because it was already over with. So, uh, they got that car repaired, and uh, they continued the race. I believe uh, they had to start last or something. Uh, Caution would fly again on lap 82 for Krause and J.B. Fortin on the backstretch. I guess Dave Sapienza was also involved. A few of them lost or ended their night there. Uh, I missed when Lutz pit. I wasn't paying attention, but it was before these incidents, but after the main packet pit. I don't know. I don't even know when John McKennedy pit, but on the lap... (laughs) 91 or after the restart on lap 91 he would get spun in turn one after contact with ronnie silk who went over the nose of the 79 of mckennedy justin bonsignor donnie leah were also involved uh all would continue somehow oh and uh silk lost two tires and would have to pit also that was second and third in points i thought it was first and second i'm not sure who's first i Uh, thought silk was leading points hmm 
Well, maybe, maybe it was first and second, but it uh, might be. I think they're first and second in points, actually. Okay. Yeah, these uh, Silk was the point leader coming in last I knew. That's yeah. all changed, I'm sure. Uh, let's see. Silk lost two tires at the pit again. Uh, more cars would pit and shuffle the front of the field. Cat- Tommy Catalano would lead, but Lutz made his way back to the front after his pit stop earlier, and he would take the lead on lap 99 just as they crossed the line. Contact between Doug Kobe and Jimmy Blewett sent Jimmy Blewett hard into the front stretch wall, took off his right front wheel and suspension clear off the car. I am glad the wayward tire stayed down yeah. out of the out of the uh, starter stand, and everyone was safe from that bouncing projectile. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. They're supposed to have tethers. Yeah, it had one. It ripped it right off. It had two actually. Yeah, it <laughs> ripped them right off. Mm-hmm. The tether was still attached to the car, and still was the part that it tethered. Yeah. yeah. It was tethered, but when the spindle breaks, it's not tethered anymore. Yep. So, I mean, you can only do so much to keep them on the car. You know, you do you can't... guys want to see a replay? Uh, do we want to talk about that rack right now, or do you want to wait? Let's just listen. Okay, here we go. I'll, I'll show Phil. I got it queued up. Okay. Oh, I've seen it. Yeah, well, here we go. All right, let's listen to it. Here on the front stretch, one car hard in the outside wall. A car is... Jimmy Blewett. That thing is just grinding to a halt, and he is not happy. But here's a slow motion. I mean, Kobe's on the bottom, but he... I mean, that car slides up into him. Yeah, he doesn't really give a hell of a lot of room there and just runs him out of room. I mean, seven cars there, and he can't go forward, backwards, or outside. He can't stop either. He can't do anything. My my partial opinion on that is the seven shouldn't have thrown a three wide if he didn't want to get stuck in the middle. Yeah, but he had more than enough position on on the 10 car and everything, and... uh, his lane was established. You can't just squeeze a guy out of a right. lane because you don't think. I he mean, they're been okay, there. okay, okay until Kobe hit the gas. Mm-hmm. So here, this may be the. Inter- I mean, here's you, the interview. You, you can't just justify somebody getting wrecked because you don't think he should have been there. He was already there. Yeah. No, there. but you you have to accept partial fault for that as well. That was a hard racing deal. Kobe fucked up and blew it fucked up. Don't go pointing the finger directly at Kobe because it was a two part deal. Well, well, you you have to because he's the one who moved up. <laughs> he 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 has a uh, all that racetrack underneath him. Show show me the replay again. If you're on the bottom three wide, that's your lane. You aren't entitled to any other lane. That's all you're allowed, and that's all you get. Play it from there, and then we can see it come off the turn. Because I thought I thought Kobe had his left down on the apron, and if you're down on the apron like that, you're getting yes, shot off the track involuntarily. Yeah. Well, he was he was squeezed way down on the apron. All right, where's the seven going to go then? The seven should have stuck it in the middle. Where the fuck is that? Like he was fine. The seven started restarted behind that red car. I don't know who the red car was, and he's the one that forced. That was Spencer Davis. The Spencer Davis group. Yeah, the Spencer Davis was slow all day, so it's understandable that he would want to go by. But have a little more patience is my only thing with it. Yeah, but he's established in that line. What do you expect him to do at that point? He's also stuck himself in that line. And what's the problem in that? So that means he's allowed to be destroyed now because of it. But I mean, again, like I said, doesn't matter. He was fine until Kobe down onto the apron, and we all know because we've all had our lefts down on that apron. If you hit that apron, you shoot up the track. He it's not a, a voluntary thing. He did. He didn't wreck Kobe though. He didn't have the choice. He the didn't steer into Kobe and wreck right him. on him. I I get that. I'm just telling you, it's a two part deal. It's not. 
Anyway. I mean, yes, every there's always uh, there's always going to be some percentage of the of somebody who's going to be you know at their own fault just because they were there. I mean, you could be a Ross Chastain apologist and be like, oh well, it's twenty percent <laughs> Christopher Bell's fault, or it's eighty percent Christopher Bell's fault, or or or, or Ty or Austin Dillon's fault for getting wrecked, or Kurt Busch's fault for being there and whatever. But guess what? Okay, the other guy has a lot more of the responsibility because he steered into him. Okay, Kobe. Kobe doesn't have a history of making stupid mistakes on the racetrack, though. Jimmy Blue. History does. is irrelevant. That's. Uh, that's I'm just a, saying that's why my opinion no, you stands the way it though. is. That's a straw man. History. Blue has a history of sticking himself in Hist- very bad situations. I'll say it again. History is irrelevant. If, you take every if Kobe incident as it comes. Burp the throttle for a second. There wouldn't be that. There wouldn't be a, a yeah. An accent. A, he had. A I agree. To fill in. Then. Th- I agree with that. I'm just saying. He's the variable. So Jimmy Blue. He's holding, the variable holding his lane there, where everybody else is holding him down. Now he's at. I, fault. I still haven't seen a good angle of the replay from Jesse, so I can't. I can't say that. All I know is. Kobe had his left clearly down on the apron, and we know what happens because we've all had that happen. This. Right, That's right. Right there. And there, there's always a percentage of fault that goes here or there, but... Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and is, I'm not saying it's it's 50-50. It it's maybe 80-20. There's a car but, directly to Jimmy's outside. He can do nothing about it. He can't lift. He yeah, can't but, go forward. But look at, look at Kobe, too. Go anything. back. Look at Kobe. Because Kobe's lefts are all the way on the black, on the black, on the black, on the black, on the black. Still on the black when they made contact. Is there a brake pedal or is that a gas switch? Kobe, Kobe was there. He was the car that was initially side by side with Spencer Davis. The seven car stuck it in the middle and forced the hole. Yeah, in and he didn't two. wreck. He didn't wreck Kobe, did he? In turn two, he did that. But he <laughs> had again. He had Kobe squeezed down again. So also, it's not a hundred percent Kobe's fault. It's not a hundred percent Blewett's fault. But you can't be that mad at Kobe when you did squeeze him down. Yes, Kobe could have lifted, yes, can, but Jimmy has I'm to take some responsibility for that, and that's something he's never done in his career. He doesn't have to either because when there's a car to his outside, he can't move out of the way. Oh, he put himself. He, he forced no, I'm not himself in that, that position. As, no, I'm not taking that as an excuse anymore because he's already established in that spot from turn two. If you had he's the hole, already there. If you had the hole, you wouldn't take it. He's already there. No, I race smarter than that. He's already there. He didn't wreck in turn <laughs> That's two. That's why I haven't torn up shit in three freaking years. I don't know. I've gone three wide in the middle before. I went three wide on the yeah. outside in my race. The guy didn't wreck me because I do it when yeah. I know I can make it. Yeah, I did it at Showtime two weeks ago. I took it three wide on the outside. It didn't in put my a race. scratch on my car. And I didn't know if I was going to make it. I but know, I but all it anyway. I know is is that the guys, who, the person whose fault it more is, and I'm sorry for the Kobe fans. This is objective, but. The guy that's steering the steering wheel and mixing that with the gas pedal at the same time. All you Literally have to do. Literally just said it's eighty twenty. Kobe's fault more. Well, so Literally then, just said so that. Being, well, then stop arguing with me. <laughs> but I'm, that's what I'm saying is Jimmy still has to take some responsibility for that. He right. does. So, so but being, so, not all of it. I mean, being on the racetrack, it's going to be his fault because he decided to enter yeah. the race, Jess. So it's okay. Okay, so there's this twenty. <laughs> so there's five percent of so, it. I mean, it's going to happen. I mean, there's no. If, I don't if you're willing the whole to take idea. the risk, you can't be that mad at it. Yes, you can, because eighty percent fault is something I could be mad at. Fifty percent fault, I can't. I can't be mad. No, I can't. Not at fifty percent. Well, 
I hope nobody squeezes your left sides down under the apron there. That's definitely happened. Well, then I won't take them out. Yes, it has. (laughs) It's definitely happened, but I've lifted because I didn't want to drive the two cars up into the wall. Guess what? I did too. Jesse has the trophy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And there you go. You see? That's why Doug is at fault. Now, moving on. (laughs) Uh, Let's see here. Uh, I can move on to this. I'll just skip that and screw those notes. Uh, Let's see. Priest pressured Lutz with under 50 to go for the lead. Remember, he was in the Tineo car this week. Uh, With 17 to go, McKennedy and Silk would make contact again, sending Silk into the turn one wall backwards. Contact happened when room ran out as as those two were running side by side and encountered a lap car. Again, Dave, is it Dave or Eddie McDonald? What's his name? I'm thinking of the guy from the Indy 500, ain't I? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, the guy who died in 64. That's Eddie Sachs. Oh, there's Dave McDonald as well, though. Yeah. I'm thinking of the wrong guy. <laughs> You're talking about the 26? Yeah, what's his name? Crash McDonald. Gary McDonald. There we go. I had to go back through my notes. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I'm bad at this. Well, there's an Eddie McDonald that runs the... Who runs the Pastor. Runs the Pastor. Yeah, yeah, he's a monster. Yeah. Guys won literally the most races at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. (laughs) I'm confusing. If you have McDonald's McDonald's, as a last name, come on, give me a goddamn break. Okay, he didn't die at Little Bighorn, okay? That's why there's not a a lot of Custers out there. There's only one cold Custer. Yeah. (laughs) I do have to say our unit of measurement for one five field stood up to the test. Was it 11 laps? Roughly 11 laps, 15 because of uh, cautions. So if you take the cautions out, she probably would have gone down every 15, uh, 11 laps. Okay, so usually, well, it's... So you gave the, her a chance to bunch back up. Was that the unit of measurement the last time? Was no, the unit five of, fields? a five field always changes. It is pertinent only to the specific race at that time. Right. Because you have to take into account exactly when... God, my mic's falling apart here. Sorry. No, I was asking you got to take into account was, uh, exactly when she goes a lap down. I was asking That's Phil the one if, unit of measure. If, if it was like 11 at uh, the last tour race at Thompson. Like if she went down on lap 15, yeah. 15 laps is one five field. It doesn't matter about cautions. That's just how it is. Right. That's it, how this works. It's typically between 10 and 15. Yeah. 11 so, is about the rough average, okay. but... Like I said, with this race, because there were cautions to allow her to catch up and not lose a lap a couple times, it ended up as 15. So the math checks out very easily. Then this race was exactly 10 five fields long. It was 150 yes. laps. So that made math much easier to do. Uh, so yeah, Endless Mc- hate mail. <laughs> they haven't yet. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, watching those guys race together and go down into turn one and Gary's on the bottom trying to get out of the way, which... I mean, you can only go so far to the bottom until you hit the apron. You can't run through the grass. I'm not going to make you run through the grass if you're a lapped car. Um, they got. It looked like McKennedy was getting pinched down by Silk. I think Silk was just trying to kind of chicken him into the lapped car, and I don't think you're going to chicken John McKennedy. And they made contact, and Silk uh, ran the right rear of his car straight into the wall. Uh, not great. Not great for him. Uh, that was a lot of damage. Not great for points. Not great. Uh, McKennedy, I don't think he got any damage. He continued. Um, so that wasn't great, but that's a lot of drama there. So we'll have to keep an eye on that because they came together twice as point leaders and had two separate incidents together. One ended up over the each other, or one ended up over the front. Like I think Silk was on the front of McKennedy's car earlier in the race, and then McKennedy got pinched down into Gary McDonald by Silk, essentially. 
And uh, he didn't lift because he was there, and uh, Silk paid the price for it. So, um, yeah, that's uh, going to be something interesting to look at looking forward, especially as the season starts to wind down and they're still together in the points. So let's see, 12 to go on a restart. Ryan Priest spun the tires, allowing Lutz to escape with the lead, which is kind of uncharacteristic for Ryan, but it's not his car, so who knows. Uh, immediately, Donnie Leah and Austin Beers would crash in turn two and bring out another caution. Uh, on the restart, Lutz cleared Kobe and uh, brought Eric Goodale with him, but Lutz would go unchallenged as he would win in the uh, Danny Watts number 82 car. Again, that's back-to-back Thompson races for uh, Craig Lutz. I never mentioned his first name, I don't think. Uh, let's see. Catalano and Ripkema would crash at the end and exchange words and more drama at the very end of the race. My, my uh, favorite, I think it was Catalano, tried to drive away and oh, it looked like he just, just pinned fluid. the throttle and all of a sudden the car came to a stop and then oil and coolant were now pouring out oh, from it underneath was, it. It was puking fluid. It's like, <laughs> no, 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 you're not going anywhere. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping he didn't blow something up. It was maybe just a line that came off. Oh, no, that, the, the thing is just every every orifice had been opened in that thing and it's just oh. Well, luckily disgusting. it was the last race of the night so you didn't have to worry about too, too much of a cleanup after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty bad one. And uh, I think that was like fourth fourth career win for Craig Lutz on the NASCAR Tour. I'm not sure. I believe Maybe. so. It Sounds might be. about right, yeah. All right. So why don't we move to Stafford? I believe I'm going to be there this Friday filming. Um, I haven't seen a paycheck from last time I filmed there two weeks ago. But then again, that ha- that's what happened the last time I went. So a little bit slow. Now it'll be here on Tuesday. It'll be on Tuesday if you're listening to the show. <laughs> Anyway, limited late models, Ari Jensik led the field to green, but that was short-lived as Jay Clement took the lead on the outside. Uh, contact between Jensik and Damian Pilardi as Jensik squeezed him into the front stretch wall, sending Jensik spinning up high. More contact with Jeremy Lavoy and Devin Jensik would send them into the infield, and Pilardi's ride would finally end into the turn one wall. Did anybody watch this? Yes. Okay, because there's going to be opinions about this. She was mad. She was very angry in her interview afterwards and uh, blamed everyone but herself. But if there's anyone to be mad at, it is herself. She literally drove across Polardi's nose and wrecked. I mean, what did you expect to happen? Uh, Did you think he's supposed to hit the brakes and let you in just to take his lane? That's not going to happen. They're racing. If the guy's there and you move up into him, he's probably just going to hook you. Because it's your own stupid fault that you drove up there, so don't blame the guy if you did it on your own. Um, Wait, he's partially at fault for being there. Oh, that's right. He's 20% at fault for being on the racetrack. Such a petty little piece of (laughs) shit. He still had the entire track to his left. Don't give me that shit. (laughs) I'm just being a petty piece of garbage, Phil. I'm sorry. I don't know. I thought it was funny. (laughs) I'm just being a douche and doing a very good job at it. So he earns 20% for simply being on the track. So No, but... Yeah, no, no it's, but I'm with yeah. agreeance. He could lift, but then you're not a race car driver. so He's a freaking dart without feathers. Yeah, but I don't blame him in this situation. No. You know, somebody drives into you. What do you think you're going to do? I, I also understand her frustration because, yes, she's she's actually the Jensic that's raced fairly clean all year and keeps getting run into. This well, is true. This is very true. She's probably That's probably... Mm-hmm. 
I think you're right, Phil. This is probably like a season's worth of frustration. Just kind of boiling up. Boiling over. Mm-hmm. Yep. That makes sense. Yeah, Phil, you're on to it. She's, she's got bounced around quite a bit and disrespected probably because she's new. Nobody really knows her in the division. I don't know. I just... I, I don't blame her, but at the same time, if you're going to be mad at your situation, you should be mad at who actually There's caused the situation. There's literally a 35 or 40 foot, whatever it is, video screen. Turn your ass around and watch the replay. Because <laughs> it's there. This is true. I think that uh, John Gates should spin everyone around and aim towards the video board. <laughs> while Gates. he's While he's, well, yeah, the machine gunner should, yeah. You should spin him around. Whoever's on pit road, I don't usually it's him. But yeah, he, he's got one of the greatest interview voices around. He's awesome. I, so. I love listening to his interviews. So John whoever and, John is, and Dave are great on pit road. Yeah, whoever's yes. on, who's ever on it, spin him towards the video board and ask them the questions, and maybe they'll look up and say, "Hey, oh, okay." They'll probably Here's be a happened. Buick commercial going on. <laughs> yeah, or oh, Little yeah. Caesars. Oh, a Little Caesars? Damn, I yeah, love Little, little Caesars. Caesars. Thin crust oh, summer. Pizza, pizza. I actually didn't have any complaints about the placement of the ads this week. Timing was good. I think my they, child is dying. Yeah, they weren't the entirely terrible. He's dying. I don't know what's going on. He's got consumption. They, were, they were mostly silent, too. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, they were silent. You know, but after a while, you know. I, well, that sounds aggressive. Yeah, he's got consumption. Yeah, the kid's not doing great, by the way. Um, He fell and broke his arm off his bed the other day, so I feel really bad for him. I hope he didn't break a rib. He won't do that again. Oh, well, the kids are kids. What are you going to do? You tell them not to do something. Five minutes later, they do it, and then they cost you money because they did it. (laughs) Now you have ammo next time he does something stupid. Yes, I know. Well, that's what my parents did, so that's what I do. All right, so anyway, we're going on racing here, so... Uh, Jay Clement retained the lead on the restart. Uh, Jeremy Lavoy would take two spots in one lap and then immediately bobble and allow Alexander Fern to take the lead uh, with Lavoy sliding back to third. So that was kind of all for naught. But Lavoy would battle back and retake second from Ritamin as they passed halfway. With three to go, Lavoy would get to the inside of Fern and retake the lead. Rich Hammond would follow him through, but Lavoy would take the win. It was his, I believe, third on the season, if I'm not mistaken. I think so. Third or fourth. Hmm. I'm just checking on my kid. Don't worry about me. So I sent I sent the uncle out. All right, so late models. Excuse me. Paul Varecchio led the field to green once again, and on lap two, John Blake would take the lead at the line. But back in the pack, possible contact didn't look like it. I don't know. Between Daryl Keene and Michael Bennett would turn Bennett to the inside, make contact with Tom Fern, shoot Bennett back up the track, uh, and he would make more contact with Kevin Gambacorda in the 33 of, uh, is it Anton Burrell? Is that his I'm name? I'm not sure. I don't even know the name. I think it is, but I'll just call Anton him Burrell, the 33 late model. Is that his name, Anton? I forgot. I can't, I can't hear very well, and I don't see a rundown. I didn't check race monitor, so bear with us if we're wrong. Our apologies if we are. All of them would continue after the yellow flu. Uh, after a false start, Blake would hiccup on the start once again, and Andrew Durand would slice from fourth to first to take the lead, which was a killer move. Uh, lap 10, Tom Fern would lose a tire and sit his car on the mini mile, and the officials let him go down a lap for stopping before throwing the yellow, which I thought was <laughs> pretty warranted. That's a, that's a very Scott Tapley thing. I, I don't yeah. have a problem with it. Yeah, he- Your car was mobile until you stopped. 
Yeah, you can limp your car to pit, pit Being, lane. I, <laughs> Tom Fern doesn't get any special treatment, unlike the, or like anybody else. So yeah, the engine didn't die when the tire popped. So uh, let's see, where was I at? Andrew, let's see. Yep, Andrew Moeller had taken the lead and controlled the restart after having a battle with Andrew Duran's top uh, top side run earlier. Uh, lap twelve, Blake, Michael Ray, and Wayne Corey made contact in turn one. Corey would make more contact with Keane as he lost his right front tire, had to drop onto pit road. Uh, then Michael Bennett tried to exact some kind of revenge on Daryl Keane in turn four by putting him in the marbles. Keane retaliated as my son's dying again and spun Bennett in turn four on the next lap. Dude, there was a lot yeah. of, of hurt feelings after the race. I think, I think the 97 and the 31 are the only cars that didn't have any real damage during that race. I believe so bad blood they hit us so we hit them back <laughs> perfect oh where's the website here i'm trying to find i have something interesting to bring up on stafford what's that the penalty notices that we didn't talk about last oh you're week. talking about this for the um we'll bring this up in the uh let's see in the street stock race i think Okay, we'll do that later. Anyway, uh, as we were talking, it was, it was for the week before, which is something we didn't actually hear about. Yeah, as of recording, so we'll bring it up. The la- as of recording, the most recent race weekend has not been posted yet. Yeah. So, uh, so we don't know what was going on there, but whatever they felt like doing, I guess they <laughs> they did it. Uh, Keen was black flagged for the contact. Apparently, uh, Adam Gray had patiently been moving forward through the field. And by halfway, he was battling Moeller hard for the lead. Lap 17, Paul Arute poked Ray up the track, and they fought it out down the front stretch until Arute was door-slapped in turn one, and he ended up in the outside wall. Uh, he was out of the race and kind of disappointed on the stere- on the uh, interview as well. So that was kind of... Well, he kept his P's and Q's pretty well. This whole this whole race was brutal. It was pretty brutal. What are you doing to me? <laughs> Why are you doing this to me? Uh, I never know what it'll come up with next. So, All right, six to go. Chase Cook back to 99 in the turn four wall. He took over that wheel, or the wheel of that ride after Chris Meyer left the team a few weeks ago. I believe Chris is on his own course now. He's going to do his own thing with uh, BFR chassis or something. So He very firmly stepped on his PP in that situation. I didn't really see what happened, but it didn't look good. He just got really high, and it looked like he tried to throttle up early like a modified and just looped it and backed it in the wall. It's so easy to do at Stafford. Yeah, the marbles were not kind up there. Yeah. Well, and those cars got a lot of power for the tire, too, so he's probably not used to the lack of grip after coming out of a modified. So Yeah, I believe they run a treaded tire, and it's an 8-inch tire, but it's still kind of a hard tire. Is it? Is it the 880? I don't even know if it's, that's a limited late model tire or not. But whatever. I don't know what it is now. Whatever. It's not really necessary to even... It's a treaded tire. What else do you need to know? Uh, Adam Gray would control the restart and the race to the end. Pick up his first win in a while, which is... Uh, you wouldn't think it's been that long because of the sheer amount of podiums he's had, but it's been about a month. It was also his fifth win of the season, so there's that. So we can move that on to, let's see here. Yeah, SK, I'll go in order. Definitely go in order. SK Lights. 
Cassandra Cole led the field to green, as is customary in this division lately. The top side prevails as Jason Chapman took the lead from the top. Two of the Chapman brood would take off as Alexander Pearl would slice through the field. Okay, call them a brood. There's like five it's of like, them. I don't know. It's like there's a Chapman litter. It kind of is. They're all about the same It's pretty much age. what it is, yeah. <laughs> Here, uh, we had a litter. It's just somebody holding like six kids up, yeah. and one's kind of really mangy looking. It's like, ugh. <laughs> Put him in the home. Just like that Kennedy girl. Um, <laughs> oh. Too soon? No? No. Right. <laughs> I'm thinking of other things, and I'm just going to keep quiet on. So. All right. Uh, Alexander Pearl was sliced through the field into third position. Approaching halfway, Pearl would catch the Chapmans and make it a three-way battle for the lead. Pearl was shown, or he has shown previously that he was fast rolling the top, and he got by Tyler Chapman that way. But before he could really challenge Jason Chapman for the lead, Frank Latoile would uh, spin off. Frank to three. He would Frank sp- the towel. He would spin off turn three. And- Frank the towel, junior, junior. And the caution would fly before he even came to a stop. I think he was just trying to get the thing going so he wouldn't bring out a caution. They'd throw him for him anyway, yeah. which is, oh, well, what are you going to do? Um, Jason Chapman. kid's <laughs> dying over there. What the hell? Give that kid a cough drop. He's got consumption and TB. Uh, he's been vaccinated for those. He should not have them. Uh, okay, so where was I? <laughs> lost what I was doing here. Vaccinations are evil. Not that kind. Uh, let's All see. the diseases of the 1920s. Yeah, they've come back. Uh, let's see. Pearl, uh, I've lost my place because I was talking about consumption. Jason well, Chapman would take the top on the restart, but Pearl would be too strong and take the lead from the bottom. Meanwhile, an incident in turn one would see Derek Devis turned around in front of the field, possibly off the nose of Casey Vogt. Uh, Chris Bagnall and Joey Farino uh, would not be able to avoid, and they would collect each other into the uh, Debus car, which would put Debus out of the race. I believe. As, as good as Debus had a year, what was it last year or two years ago? Probably both. That he won. Yeah, his this year not good. Hey, it happens. Look at my year. I'm just kind of trying to learn stuff. Yep. You know, been there too. It happens. Derek Debus is on probation for for this for this last one. And the next two races after that. So. Oh, because of the week before because when he got off on pit road and was very, very angry? Because of the the August 12th. Yeah, probably for the pit road thing when he was very angry that a piece of not his car caused him to be put out of the race. Yeah, so he had to, he had to uh, be very diplomatic. <laughs> he was pretty pissed off, but he held himself together enough to yeah. not get thrown out, I think. Uh, let's Hopefully. see. Vogt, uh, I believe uh, Casey Vote was put to the back for contact. Uh, Alexander Pearl would take his third win of the year after they restarted that thing. He wouldn't be challenged. And, Good job, uh, buddy. That would really close up the points right, picture. I'm, uh, I think it really closed up the points picture because uh, Tyler Berry would finish 11th. And I would really love to see the points if we could bring them up. I'm not sure if we can or not, but I'm going to just move on. To SKs, while Jesse looks that up real quick, uh, there's a kind of a surprise we need to kind of talk about. It's uh, Mike Christopher Jr. led the field to green, but it was John Puglio who, no surprise, used the top side to take the lead off of turn two. Is it just me, or is Mike Christopher Jr. just kind of not all there Ooh, with... Um, this got real interesting. With performance this year. Oh, what's the points in the SK lights here? We got Tyler Chapman at four above Alexander Pearl and Tyler Berry. 
Oh, so it's now a four-point difference between the top three. So Tyler Chapman's leading with 534. And Amanda West is definitely mathematically within the picture so at she's being only, 20 points out. So Alexander, oh, wow. Pearl, Alexander Pearl and Tyler Berry are essentially tied yeah. for second, except Pearl has the tiebreaker oh. with three wins. She's staying out of trouble and getting top tens. That's where it's, where it's so going. And, the you know? top four in the SK Lights are separated by 20 points with the top three only being separated by four. Anybody who doesn't know the math, that's two positions on the racetrack because every position's worth two points. So that's going to get nuts. Alexander's in a Tyler sandwich. Phrasing. (laughs) Phrasing. Um, So I don't know how many they have left. It's like six races possibly. But it's going to get real interesting real quick. Well, it's already interesting. I mean, It's enough time to bring... Eighth place back into the picture. <laughs> well, that would be George Bissett Jr., and that's not exactly inconceivable. It's 80, it's 80, 80 especially 88. 88 points. The, that's two two bad races, and he's right there. I mean, you look yeah. at you look at guys like uh, Bob Charlan and Chris Matthews; they're forty six and forty eight points away. I yeah. mean, that's people have been having bad races all over the place in any division, essentially. Yeah. It hasn't been your typical runaway year in that division. No, it was... Uh, Usually there's one guy that just gets hot, and he's that all year, and everybody's close, but just can't get him. I mean, Tyler Berry was looking decent for a while, and then he had a rough stretch, so it's it's pulled the points way close to, closer together, because yeah. I think it was way out of hand. It was like 30 points or something before, or 40 even. I don't even remember, but... Um, that's really tightened it up big time. So it, I don't know if it's going to come down to being like the uh, sportsman at Thompson last year where the top four were within like four points, but uh, we'll see. In the last race, I mean. So, all right, we got to move on. But like I said before, SK is Mike Christopher Jr. led the field to green. John Puglio took the lead on the outside. Um, is it just me or is Mikey kind of off on performance this year? They, they're definitely missing a step, and I don't know if it's they're getting behind on shocks or motors or what they're getting behind on. It's weird. Well, yeah, if they knew what it was, they wouldn't be struggling. So that's the, that's yeah. the thing. It's 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 tough. They they are struggling a little bit. True. They yeah. have hot and cold years. It seems. I, what was it? The year we filmed the show yeah. was just a very off year for him, and then the next year he came back, and how many did he win? Five. <laughs> yeah, four Something or five. Like yeah. yeah, exactly. And then the year after, he was a turd again, I think, and then back to winning again, and then it's up and down. They haven't had he. They've had success. They haven't had the consistency. Yeah, yeah it's a very just, streaky team. Yeah, they'll find it eventually. I mean, Mike Christopher Senior ain't dumb. No, they'll figure it out. I'm sure. It's just one of those things that they're probably doing it on their own, and they're just behind. Yep. It, that's all. That I, I think they still do their own motors too. More than likely, but I haven't or seen them have engines since people will probably say, Oh, motors are electric. Yeah, and they should fucking throw all those away too. Uh yes. Ronnie Ronnie Williams would get by on the outside of Pulio to take the lead on lap three. Troy Tallman would continue his upward momentum over the last few weeks and move to second. Uh lap ten. Let me see. Contact. Uh I'm sorry. Lap ten. Contact between Marcello Rafrano and Tyler Hines sent uh, Heinz spinning in turn one. Everyone missed him except Keith Rocco, who minor contact, but he stopped in time. I wonder how this is going to be Tyler Heinz's fault. 
He was on the racetrack, so it's twenty percent his fault. Oh, that wasn't me, Phil. <laughs> Ty- Tyler Hines is a disaster. Oh man! <laughs> no, I Whether know, it's this his time fault it wasn't or him. not, he's a disaster. He's like Daniel Wesson. It's always going to be his fault. Oh man! So again, keep I didn't get to see the SK race stones. yet. So yeah, well, you're getting it now. So Tomlin would temporarily take the lead on the restart, but Williams would grab it back as Brian Arducci would make it a three-car battle. Honestly, the top five would not change for the rest of the event, and uh, it went green from then on, and Ronnie Williams would take the SK. This was a weird race because... Did they... uh, Phil Burnt, did they... Excuse me. Did they spray that track again? I haven't gotten an email saying they have, but then again, I haven't read a lot of them either. Because if they did, they... It probably just lasts a while because it doesn't rain here anymore. (laughs) You know, it's it's time to stop. Or, or the groove moved up because the tour cars were there. It's time to stop. Because it was a one groove racetrack and it was on the high groove. One well, groove. It's, it's tour mods always make a racetrack one groove. It seems, and yeah, obviously they, they had the tour mods there. They yeah. sp- they sprayed the track and then they never really got a rainstorm since then. Today we got one. We got an actual all day rain for once. Yeah, we the did. First time in months, probably. I mean, yeah, I know. I had pissed off customers because technicians couldn't go do work today i had to deal with that i know for once we actually got rain isn't that interesting yeah uh, it it ends up so maybe that'll change stafford looked like thompson i don't like the groove being on the top it looked like a race at thompson because yeah. nobody could go anywhere in the bottom unless you dive bomb them and send them up into the third rail what's funny is so. the support divisions like a street stock sportsman mini stock kind of division don't have a problem running the bottom when the bottom's not the preferred lane. You know what I mean? Like at Waterford, the bottom isn't anymore. Thompson, it isn't. You can still pass on the bottom. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, like Phil said earlier, they have more motor than the tire. Yeah. So it's all about balance. But uh, if you're going to spray the track, a little bit lighter, please. Thank you. So let's go to the street stocks, which, by the way, we'll talk about this ahead of time. We didn't notice this before, but uh, Jesse brought it to my attention. But the week before... There were some penalty notices that we didn't know about, and uh, I didn't know about it either because apparently there must have been some kind of fracas in the pits after the race. Uh, let's see. Street stock drivers Jason Finkbein, Bert Ouellette, and Tyler Trott were all, let's see, their infractions were all unsportsmanlike conduct. Finkbein says driver responsible for crew, so he got a $200 fine. He was suspended for Stafford for two races. Uh, I don't remember seeing him in the event either. He was at Thompson, so that that makes sense actually. He was at Thompson earlier in the year, though. To be fair, well, um, it definitely I, freed up his time. I haven't been able him. to watch because Racing Schumacher's freaking coverage is absolutely terrible. Bert Ouellette was yeah. uh, fined a hundred bucks and uh, starts last in the next two events. Well, including this, including one, the one that we're the, just going to talk about. Uh, Tyler Trot got the same thing. I think I said Finkbein got a $200 fine instead of a $100 fine, so his crew must yeah. have done something. And there must be something that had to do with the contact that was on lap two of, on lap 10 of the street stock feature last week. Let's see. Let's see. Street, street stock. stock. Contact with the 46. Oh, yeah, because that was the race trot spun out the 46 and we ripped him for it. Yeah. Yeah. And then I don't know what... And I think Bert got into trot later in the race for some reason something happened so i think there was kind of a three-way fracas after that it was an eiffel tower of angry men let's not say that (laughs) raising (laughs) 
So let's go into the race here. Uh, Chris Danielchuk led the field to green, but that lasted to the backstretch as Nick Hovey would use the top to get by. Weird. Oh, did you tell where 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 uh, Tyler started? Did he start last? Travis. Travis. Oh, Travis Hydar. Travis Hydar. Oh, he started like third or fourth. <laughs> I forgot. He's won like four, four or five races this year. I think he started fourth. I think the um, rule book says they shouldn't. They can't start inside the top ten. Too. They always say that, but they never stick to it. Doesn't matter the track either, I, by the way. We'll get yelled at for that. It doesn't matter the track. I've always seen it. Uh, let's see. <laughs> I, I don't get it why he would start fourth. He's won so many races. Uh, someone's got to explain that to me. I just don't understand. I mean, Travis Hydar got to take him three wide, and Hovey and Hydar would then battle for the lead. Uh, Hydar would take the lead on lap two, and he's like second in the wins list this year with like three, four, three wins. I well, he has it. as many as Bobby Stark. Bobby Stark has, I think, one more than he does, doesn't he? There's no? four wins. Oh, they're tied for wins now. Probably because yeah. Travis ended up uh, not winning this race, but it was a different Travis. We'll get into that. Um, <laughs> yeah, so he was tied with Tim for wins. Okay, so uh, let's see. He would bring Adrian Parody, uh, Paradis with him. Uh, Travis, upside down, he would move forward with momentum into third. He's been fast lately. Lap five, the caution would fly for debris off the 94 of uh, Daniel Chuck, I believe, is another muffler. It's like two races in a row. Somebody lost a muffler on the street on the uh, front stretch in a street stock, which is very strange. Check your bolts, people. Uh, restart would see Downey get by Parody, Paradis, however you pronounce it. It's fucking French. Uh, but Tyler, Tyler Trotton and Nick Hovey would get together and see Hovey back his car into the turn one wall. Hovey admitted in his interview to running down tight on those guys, and uh, that's pretty much what it looked like if you saw the interview. For, for real quick, for clarity, the Stafford Street Stock handicap rule is current season Street Stock feature winners will not be posted to start higher than fifth position in any feature events. Okay, but Travis started in the top five. Was yeah. somebody slated to start up front and just didn't? And well, there was one yeah, car. Now I'm wondering because that would make more he sense. Was, he was supposed to start fourth. Okay, and where would he start? Third. Did they just move the lineup? They moved the one Somebody car. Somebody must not have started up front. Who was supposed to start up front? I'm thinking. You know yeah, what it was I mean? the number sixty six car of somebody. I can't remember who, but uh, they didn't <clears throat> high qualify in a rent wreck, did they? There was no qualifying. I didn't think so. And that guy was his first race here, and it's probably going to be his last one, as we're going to talk about. Uh yeah. Uh, let's see, because the next restart, Hydar and Downey would battle side-by-side side until a yellow flew a lap later when the one of the renter race car vehicles went hard into the turn three wall head-on. They are not getting the crash deposit back on that one. No. That car, amazingly, is only getting horns. Really? I was talking to really? Gary the other day. Really? I mean, Gary said it was clip-worthy when I saw it, but... It must yeah, apparently they also have a steering stop, so they can't overcorrect too far to the right, and... Did it break? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it just wasn't gone far enough. Hey, you know, nature will find a way. <laughs> life finds a way. Life we need that a, sound. Life will hey, find if, a way. If we go back and dig on YouTube, we can find my first race ever in a rent wreck back in 2012, and I almost did the same thing in the same spot, but mm. I was also running seventh. That's fair. I really want to drive one of Gary's cars for him just to see what I could do in it, but I don't want They're to. They're not terrible cars overall. I just don't want to pay to do it because I have my own car. Why would I pay to drive someone else's? I mean, I could give him some expenses, I guess, but. Anyway. I mean, talk to him because 
I hear there might be a seat open next year in one of the full-time cars. Well, what the fuck? Why didn't you tell me this earlier? I would have texted Gary immediately. Like, please let me drive. I don't want to pay to race. I just want to win. You can have the money. You can have the trophies. You can take everything. I believe Chris Danielchuk may be moving, either moving up or moving away. I Hmm. heard different things, but I I think that 94 is going to be... I'm certain I would have to bring money to it. It's not just going to be me allowed to drive a race car for free. Let's be fair. Probably. Let's be fair. Gary runs a business, not a charity. So, um, yeah, let's see here. Hide our wood. Okay, let's just back up and start again. Travis Downey was strong as he controlled the re, uh, the race on the restart and took off. Hydar would close the gap a bit, but not have enough as Travis Downey would win his third race of the year. By the way, thanks to Bonsa for the Upside Downey reference, as we were the guys who originated that nickname. I believe Jesse might have been the guy who did that. And uh, he mentioned it on the broadcast because he made his full broadcasting debut, and I thought he did great. He did awesome. Yeah, yeah, he did a great job. By the way, I think... I mean... Okay, go ahead. I was going to say, in fairness, I think everybody already knew that he was going to be absolutely great at what he did on Friday night. Yeah. I. It, it basically... I believe he was trained properly, and it showed because he never really missed a beat, you know? No. Well, and he's, I mean, he's been around it long enough. He does great voiceover work, mm-hmm. uh, great interviews, so... It felt like it was just natural. By the way, Bonsa, if you want a deeper voice for announcing, start smoking. <laughs> I'll never back down on that. It works like a charm. You're going to like the way they look. I guarantee it. <laughs> yeah. Until you go like this. You're going to like the way you look. I guarantee it. Cancer kazoo. Don't go too uh, far. Don't man. go too far. Don't go too uh, We're going to get in trouble again. Jesus. <laughs> So thanks for that drop, Bonsa. I mean, it tells me you listen to the show, and I apologize. All right, so uh, by the way, uh, I believe somebody else made their debut in officiating at Thompson. I didn't mention it earlier, but I think Gunny was probably the race director stepping in for Scott Tapley. Nice. Um, I feel like he did a pretty good job, to be honest. I only had one criticism, and it was just kind of silly because he was really interested in just getting the show rolling, which I'm fine with. You know, he did the courtesy laps if somebody pit, and then he would, okay, we're going green. We're going green this time. But he would try to get us to cross over, you know, and, and double them up on the middle of the backstretch coming to one to go. It's like, we don't really need to do that. We can do it when we get to the line. That's where we always do it. There's plenty of time. There's no issue. Double them up at the line. That's what Scott does. That's what anybody does. It's just kind of procedure. We It doesn't really change anything, and it it's more of a trigger mechanism for our instincts for drivers because we always made our decisions. If we were leading, you could choose in or out. We always made that choice at the line. So we don't want to have to change what's instinctual. So that's the only criticism I had. I thought he made good calls all night. I thought he was forceful, didn't waffle, didn't swear at us, didn't yell. You know, he just kind of ran the race as efficiently as he could. I thought he did a good job. So no real criticisms. I think it was him. Don't, don't quote me. But uh, it might not have. I don't know. Open 80. Let's talk about some modifieds. Ryan Priest led the open modified field to green with Mike Christopher Jr. taking the lead on lap three. Lap five, the NASCAR Whalen Modified Tour winner from Thompson the night before, Craig Lutz, spun off a turn two to bring out a yellow. Uh, Christopher broke 
off turn two in the on the restart, and a big group of cars would stack up off turn two. Keith Rocco would get the worst of it, and he was in the 46 car. Uh, as it took the right front off of his car on turn two, Christopher would pull off with, I forgot if it was a fuel pump failure or some kind of parts failure, but he pulled off. Woody Pitcat would take the lead off of the restart, and he and Priest would easily show that they were the class of the field early. They would trade the lead as the, each of them tried to balance saving equipment and controlling the race. Lap 19, Mark Bakai spun off a two to bring out a yellow. Lap 22, Tom Martino Jr. would do basically the same thing, but to the outside wall, but he didn't hit it. Uh, brought out another yellow. It would stay green for a while with minor changes in the rundown until lap 59 as Chase Dowling spun mysteriously off turn four just as he was about to go a lap down and uh, brought off, <laughs> brought out a caution. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't think it was mysterious at all. Um, thoughts? Anybody see that? No? No, I still haven't gotten a chance to watch oh. that entire race. I'm still behind. Well, he was about to go a lap down and spun off a turn four, and they don't count caution laps, so very strange, huh? Um, I'll just leave it there. Pit stops would happen at this point. Ronnie Williams would lead them off pit road, followed by Pit Cat, Max Zackham, Matt Galco, and then Priest, who came in first and left fifth, which is no surprise because Ryan always has the worst pit crews ever. And they usually end up costing him races. Uh, the, the surprise of the race was Max Zackham, who was inside the top five all race until lap 66 when he dropped out with another. He was in fourth place. He had a mechanical failure, brought out a caution because he stopped in turn three. Couldn't make it to pit road. Pitcat and Williams would battle for the lead, and Ryan Priest would be right within striking distance as they hit 10 to go. Nine to go, Jeff Gallup spun in turn one to bring out another caution. Williams missed a shift on the start, but was bailed out when an incident with Matt Gallo, not Galco, Gallo, Tyler Berry, Mark Bakai, and Dylan Izzo, uh, they all went into the turn one wall, same lap, let's see here, I think uh, most of them would return, but I think Izzo got the worst of that, same lap restart, same result, Woody Pitcat would uh, get the start on the outside as, uh, I think, let me see here, Williams kind of bobbled a little bit on the start. Uh, Ryan Priest came with him, past Williams. Teddy Hodgden got by Priest and made contact with Pitcat down the front stretch and going into one to take the lead. Pitcat was having none of it as he dive-bombed Hodgden back in turn three from, like, five car lengths back. Where's Jesse with his drop? <laughs> he is currently in the bathroom. But God it was... damn, that was the level of send was of epic proportions. It was off the charts. I'm and like, he still managed to hold his line. For the most part. He didn't send him completely into the marbles. No. Um, he didn't. Never mind. No. Woody Pitcat has won over 80 races at Stafford. And if you're going to get into him on the straightaway or the corner to take the lead, it's going to come back to you immediately. Yeah. <laughs> and it did in spades. Especially I like if it's Teddy, kinda... but that was probably not a properly timed decision. Yeah, that was borderline disrespectful, to be honest. I mean, that was a lot of contact for little gain. I mean, it was a lot. Almost hooked him. Almost damn near wrecked him, so Woody went into turn three and showed him what was what. So he just he basically doored him back and moved him out of the way. I think, uh, I think Priest kind of uh, took advantage of that as well. I think he also got by Hodgson because he sent them so hard. Yeah, and he so, got up to second yeah, there. Priest got back into second after that. This is the last 10 laps is all I got to see when I walked in the door the other night. Well, that's all you really needed to see because that's where all the action was. It was a great finish. Priest was now in second, and he had to pressure Pitcat hard 
And it was clear that he had the faster car at the end, but Pitcat showed why he's won the second most races at Stafford, the Sultan of Stafford, I suppose, as he was able to hold off a clean charge by Priest to win his third Open 80 race in a row this year to bring his career win total to number 81, Jess. And possibly the longest post-race interview <laughs> I've seen in about five years, chit-chat Pitcat. Especially out of him. Um, but no, Ryan Priest, uh, I hate to have to give him kudos because... This is how racing should be, but he did it right. right. He didn't. He didn't poke him out of the way. He looked for a lane around him. If he went to the high side, Woody gave him the high side. If he went to the low side, Woody just drove there to just not allow him by. And he never poked him out of the way. He just raced him clean, and that was it. He made him work for it, and that's it. I can't All wait to see those two right go now, battle head to head at the level. fall final. You know, it's going to come down to those two. The way they've both been running there, just. Lock the cable up on that paperweight that I got up there. You can keep your camera from moving around. I know we're not on YouTube right now, but... Uh... Good God, I'm going to get seasick. Don't look at me. Don't look directly at him. Don't look at me. Don't look. Uh, anyway, so... Um, <laughs> Pit Cat did the... Uh, what do you do? The Triple H again? He did that at yes, New Hampshire. Yes, <laughs> that was fantastic. I didn't know if I wanted to use that picture or or a different one for the Instagram post this week. I might just do both of them. Twisted tea goes better in the body. It was water, but if it was twisted tea, he never would have spit it out. Let's be fair. This is Pit Cat we're talking <laughs> about here. Right. Um, with his win in the late model at Thompson, that brought his win total to 50 there. By the way, I mentioned that earlier. He's won 131 races between the two tracks. He's also won at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. By the way, uh, Phil, do we have an honorary DARF comment of the week for this? Yeah, I don't have it in front of me, but there was definitely somebody from Illinois that apparently knows modifies better than people <laughs> in New England uh, that that called him one track pit cat. You sent after me his win at Stafford. <laughs> Just because it rhymes doesn't mean it's right. <laughs> I'm, you, you know, know, I'm actually looking through my text. I got it. Here we go. Honorary Darf Con just play the music. I want to hear it. Thank you. Honorary Darf comment of the week this week. Yes. Yes, you can tell you definitely don't watch racing from around here if you make this comment. We have his screen name. It's on Twitter. Ryan. <laughs> At Ryan Jalik. At R-Y-A-N-J-A-L-L-I-C-K. Called him One Track Woody. Phil, would you like to inform this idiot how many different racetracks Woody Pitcat has raced at? Oh, God. I got well, the list here if you want me I to I know he's it. won at New Smyrna because he won the, the uh, championship there in Speed Weeks with the Hillbilly team mm -hmm. back, God, that had to be 2011 maybe, 2012, mm -hmm. something like that. Uh New Hampshire Motor Speedway, yep. obviously got his first tour win there. Stafford, he was one. Thompson, he's won. Seekonk, I remember him winning in a Pro 4 one night, the number zero Navy car, with an outstanding bottom shot move across the grass to avoid a wreck <laughs> and take the win. Uh, he's won in late models at New Hampshire. He's won, God, he's won Lee, all over the place. Lee, Star, Waterford, Thompson, Seekonk, Stafford, New Hampshire, New Smyrna, name it. Is that indicative of somebody who's one-track Woody? Nope. So, Ryan Jalik, shut up. You're an idiot. <laughs> Moving on. Keyboard <laughs> hero. 
fucking idiot. All right, uh, so that's a lot of races to win between just two tracks. You know, I, I mean, I have one's physically a lot seen place. his trophy room. It's probably and, massive. Yeah, it's not one one track, Woody. <laughs> no, the man can drive anywhere. By the way, we've got to give a little special shout out to the Homer, uh, George Bissett Jr. Ran his first tour type modified race. Started twenty third. He finished seventh. Outstanding. It's a very good run. Does he have an SK start, or did he go straight from SK light to tour type modified? Because that's a big leap, and that's a big finish for somebody if they'd done that. I. This may sure sound crazy, is. but I almost think he he's better off from a tour type having all the street stock experience he has. Again, something that overpowers the tire, something that overpowers the tire. Yeah, that's a good point because... He's got a little experience sliding that thing around. He knows what to deal with. Right, and he's got modified experience running the SK Lite, so he's familiar with how they run and grip levels. So, yeah, I think jumping straight to tour type might work out. It's just like Angelo Belsito a number of years back at at Seacon came straight out of a Legends car into a pro stock, won his first time out. Yeah. Those cars are super edgy, and you got a pro stock, big motor, not a big tire. It's probably a 10-inch tire, but they skate a little bit, so they're kind of twitchy. So, yeah, that's all for our Stafford lineup. Again, I believe I'm going to be there this this Friday filming yet again, if it's the 26th. Yep, I believe it is. Wear Uh, the red hat so everybody can pick you up. I do, actually. I wear wear the the, uh, reflective jacket that they give you. And I wear the red hat just because people can see me. I'm in a red hat. That's literally the only excuse for me wearing it. Go Wildcats. Go Wildcats. I did notice the uh, the Stafford pit interview guy cheating a little bit, unlike you this week. <laughs> he was holding the camera down low instead of up on his shoulder a couple times. That was uh, Mr. Connor Sullivan. Was it? Yes, it was. He he has an excuse then because he I think he did Thompson for Racing America and Yes, I know it's not his fault the cameras had issues, uh, but he did that, and I think he did another race during the weekend, too. So yeah. he, he got a workout with a camera. So this week, we're going to trim the show a little bit because we don't have to talk about the national stuff, but we'll just do the talking points of the National Series races. Does that sound good? The Ross Chastain yeah. don't give a fuck tour continued, <laughs> as the DBC guys would say. Yep. Right. We're going to go to Waterford first, though, because they ran this weekend as well, and I watched those videos over at uh, youtube.com slash history because they post those weekly. All right, Legends cars. I'll buzz through this real quick. Dylan Cody led the field to green. Dylan Freeman, Dylan, Dylan, okay, uh, took the lead quickly. Freeman would run strong and uh, hold the lead for a good while until his car started to heat up the right rear, and that allowed Brody Monahan a lane to get by on the bottom. Monahan would get by and cruise to, I think, his fifth win of the year in the Legends car. The field was surprisingly short, considering they were getting double the cars earlier this year with the new INEX sanctioning. Uh, that was kind of surprising. I'm wondering if Seaconk had some kind of extra pay event. Not sure. I don't recall them ever running Legends cars on Saturdays at Seaconk. They're usually a Friday night thing, but they I'll are. Look it up. Uh, SK Lights. This got interesting at the end, but Johnny O'Sullivan will lead the field from the pole on the outside. Uh, I think he had the lead. But uh, Ethan DeRocher would run him into the Crystal Mall parking lot off turn four, and he would take the lead. Uh, <laughs> that's in that direction, right? Yeah, okay. That's they used close. to display cars at the mall. He was just trying to get them there early. I guess so. <laughs> uh, O'Sullivan. He's going nowhere. He's going fucking 
nowhere. Is that, Where uh, you what nowhere. is that from? Boondock Stains. That was the movie episode was last week. <laughs> no, but that's great. I love that movie. <clears throat> Uh, let's go to, uh, O'Sullivan would get back to the bottom and battle back for the lead until the yellow flag flew for a car in a wall of turn four. Uh, they called the next restart back twice for some unknown reason. They both looked fine to me, and I think they sent DeRocher to the back for it, for jumping the start, which again, I didn't really see where anything was wrong there. Um, just my uh, my, my only thought is maybe he was playing restart games that you couldn't hear, just jerk the throttle around or something. I don't know. Burping it, jumping things back and forth. Yeah. I, I mean, didn't really see it, but I mean, I couldn't see it. It's a video it's hard to screen. see. It's hard to see on a video. I mean, it's, you know. And I think that's right where Webby uh, usually calls the races from anyway. So, yeah. But again, I mean, I, I couldn't tell. So I'm just speaking. I'm speaking my opinion and that's opinion only. So the let's see. O'Sullivan would. It was hold. 20% Webby's fault. Yeah, he was there. So it's 20% his fault. Uh, O'Sullivan would hold the lead off on the restart, but uh, immediately be challenged by Isaiah Newcomb. Uh, O'Sullivan, he would hold on to the lead until a caution with four to go. Newcomb would get a better jump on a start that they didn't call back for some reason. Again, I'm talking about starts here. Uh, And he would grab the lead, but a yellow with two to go set up a green-white checker finish. So O'Sullivan was on the outside. He dug hard around the lap or, or around the top side on the green white checker, and was barely able to edge Newcomb in at at the line in a very close finish. I wish I'd actually been watching the race monitor and seeing the actual time for that finish, but I can't check it now because it's already gone and it's not in my history. But it was really close. Like I didn't know who won until they told me. So that was a good finish. Let's go to street stocks. This uh, was kind of, eh, this wasn't so bad, I guess, for typical street stock racing. John Porter led the pack to green after running, or uh, at, led the pack to green, and uh, after running the 12 of Brian Norman wide, he took sole control of the lead on lap, well, until lap three when Sean Gatekey would take the top spot away. Porter uh, just needs all that room because the car's always sideways. He typically drives like there's nobody around him. Yes, can confirm. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Well, the doctor's not a brain surgeon. He's definitely a general type of practitioner. He's like a Civil War yeah. doctor. Great great guy. Yeah, he's a fun dude. Yes. But scary to race around. <laughs> Double yes. <laughs> um, like I said, he's more of a Civil War surgeon. Okay, you got hit in that limb? Okay, where's my saw? Yes. Let's take that off. Yes, he's got two tools in his medicine chest. Somebody get the saw. Saw and a bottle of bourbon. A saw, a bottle of bourbon, and some, and some, some gauze. thread. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely a doctor, just an amputist. Uh, let's go. The 67 of Aaron Plemons would get spun off a of turn two to bring out a yellow. Another spin after the restart by Brian Norman would bring out a uh, yet another yellow. Who spun Plemons? Uh, I believe it was Taylor because he posted something on Facebook about spinning him on purpose. Oh, okay. He, he had moaned it, so, I mean, I'm just giving him, you know, the respect he's give himself so well he probably won't be running the next race if that's what he did well he said he did it so i, mean, I don't know Just, i don't, don't know post it's, about it though it's not my deal he, he posted it if you want to read it go look at his post no All i'm right. just saying these tracks have social media clauses now yeah, yeah I, I don't get it anyway um sorry i'm really distracted because i'm surfing through twitter at the same time and i'm watching a guy at a yankees game 
make a hot dog into a straw and then drink a beer with it, and it's really grossing me out. So, um. <laughs> I'm gonna. All right, let's keep moving. I'm not gonna make comments on that because it'll go Share. down a really bad road. Sh- oh, There's no, something no. schooly around here. Send tweet via direct message to Phil. Send. There we go. I've already sent him one during the show. It was I saw that. Stupid. I haven't watched it yet. Uh, Gentlemen, it brings me to my next point. Okay. Don't smoke crack. <laughs> is that Lawrence Taylor? Yes, it is. Awesome. Uh, okay, a caution. Let's see here. Tony Macrino would prove tough on the high side and he would take the lead. Norman would spin again, and it kind of looked like they were black flagging him at the same time. I don't know. Somebody clarify that for me. Um but no caution would fly for that one. A caution would fly with 10 to go, and Macrino would get the jump, but immediately slide sideways or something in turn two. Didn't look like there was contact. Phil looks very confused at his phone at the message I'm I keep sending him. very disturbed. <laughs> it looks like he's sucking a dick. <laughs> you need to post this on the comment section when you post the video on I the Facebook page. I can't look at this. Frank. I can't even watch it. <laughs> The guy takes Continue, a, please. He takes a straw and he pokes it through the hot dog. Takes you the already out, have a straw. What are you doing? And he's using the straw, not the straw, but the hot dog to drink the beer. You don't <laughs> anyway. drink beer out of a straw. Well, it's not. It's a hot dog, so it's, exactly. it's around the rules. Post a video when you post this episode online, please, so that oh my people God. get a frame of reference to what the hell it is you guys are talking about. I'll get four texts. What is? Where's this video? Send it to me. Okay, if, if any if anybody sees this on my Twitter, I retweeted it. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why. All right, so again, uh, it looked like there was no contact with Macrino getting sideways, but it opened the door big time for Al Stone the third and Sean Gatiki to get back by. Stone would clear Gatiki for the lead, and that would be how it finishes out with Al Stone winning his 60th career race and his 59th at the Speed Bowl. He's got that one at Thompson. You did win the World Series. Um, that's just one of his Achilles heel tracks other than that one. It's like it's like Mario Andretti in the Indy 500. Should have won it a million times, only won it once. Mm-hmm. Then again, if I'd won the World Series at any point, I'd be happy because <laughs> that's my white whale at this point. It was mine for 10, Thir- 15 years. 13 years it took you to win it. So Yeah. You, Second attempt. Jesse, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Jesse. I should have won it eight times. <laughs> Jesse should have won it five five to seven times and definitely crossed the finish line first and still didn't win it. So, <laughs> I mean, what the hell? Oh. So, all right, let's go to mini stocks because we have a listener of the show that's actually featured here. Mini stocks, I believe it was Wayne Taylor in the double zero. That was the name on Race Monitor. Leading the field to green, or it was a few weeks ago. I had to reference it. A few laps in, he was challenged by Rick LaFleche, who would take the lead and bring. Oh, uh, and Jesse Olaski would spin off a of turn two to bring out the yellow. A few cars bunched up off the restart and sent Taylor into the infield. No caution. He kept rolling. John Bavalaco would make a charge to the bottom of the multi race winner, Charlie Canfield, and then run down Rick LaFleche for the lead. It wouldn't take him long to make the pass to take over the lead. Second spin by Olaski would slow Bavalaco's charge, but it wouldn't end. Uh, but it wouldn't end it as he immediately put a gap on the field. Chris Garside would move into second, but nobody was going to touch listener of the show, John Bavalaco. Oh, for he's his, the listener. For the first. Oh, very good. His first career win, I believe. All right. That's pretty awesome. Excellent. The Mighty 11. Is that the you old can, 11? That's the old Mighty 11. Did they give him the setup blocks with it? Because Cassidy's never owned scales. They did everything off of, like, 
blocks of wood, blocks of wood that were cut that they would just slide under the chassis, and that would be their scales. That's we don't put our cars on scales. The RFD cars get a little aluminum thing. Dink, dink. Okay, ride height set. As long as the ride height is where you need it, that's pretty much where your weight is. I mean, that's I've set my weight based off ride height, and it comes out pretty much right on. You're good to go. So, oh, I got a notification here. Short track pictures likes your retweet of the Glizzy God. <laughs> the fuck are you talking about? Sorry, I'm talking about the, <laughs> the hot dog Our guy. Three hour tour of uh, podcast. I told today. everybody it was going to be long. That's why we started the show early tonight. So we're going to have a new record for the the longest show again tonight. Sorry, Sid. All right. So congrats, John. Late models. Doug Curry was COVID free and in the lead. Uh, but not for long, uh, the lead part, as Char- Charles Bailey III <laughs> and Andrew Moeller would, I'm sorry, would take would hang him out on the high side and take the lead away. A yellow four laps in would re-wreck the field. Restart saw Charlie Bailey IV go backwards hard. That's into junior, the junior, junior. That's quadruple junior. Three juniors, I think. Four Is it juniors. junior, junior, junior? Three four juniors. Junior? Yeah, okay, so it's three juniors, I think, Junior, right? junior, junior. Yeah. Uh, so- you know what I'm I, I'm just gonna say this and I might be wrong but this is my observation for some and it's something I've gone through personally as well adapting to that type of car is watching Doug it doesn't look like he's completely comfortable driving in on the right rear with the car and a little bit of yaw he said it- coming from street stocks it is difficult for a car to to physically put into your brain that a car of that size, which is about the same size as a street stock, can turn as much as it does and stick. Yeah. It, he says it's, it's such just, a weird feeling to go it. into the corner kind of riding on that right rear. It's, a, it's just a different feel than a street stock. Yeah. So he's, but that's what you need to do to be really fast in those things. Well, he's figuring it out, and I'll mention him later. Oh, yeah. Um, Andrew Moeller would take the lead from the top from Charlie Bailey the third. Two cautions for spins would keep the field from stringing out. Curry would battle back to retake second, but Ray Christian III would take that and try to run down Andrew Moeller, but it was to no avail as it stayed green the whole time after that, and Andrew Moeller would take down the late model win. I think Doug finished third. Yep, Pretty good sure run that for his, him. That was his first podium in a late model, which is cool. Let's move on to, I forget how many that is for Moeller. It's like three or four at Waterford this year in the late model. SKs. Todd Owen led the field of ten uh, to the green. Sorry, same number as same number of cars as Thompson had. Uh, yellow three, and even Stafford struggling. They had like eighteen. Um, so I don't know what's going on, but the yellow three laps in would keep the field close. The bottom groove did not appear to be a complete wad because Timmy Jordan used that open bottom lane to just kind of run right by literally everyone with relative ease because everyone was running the top side. And uh, he ran straight into the lead before 10 laps into the race. Caution would fly with seven to go, but it would do nothing to stop Jordan, who would take down the SK win after taking a week or two off. I forget how many he took off. All right, that ends our uh, local segment. We should talk about this. Anybody see that wreck in the Arca series at the Springfield Mile? Uh, Yes. Whoo, baby. (laughs) This happened, like, right at the start of the rain-delayed cup race, so a lot of people... We're turning over to watch a rain race to see the carnage that might ensue and missed the end of this. 
But right, well, yeah, it took a it took a while to get the track to dry off enough for the Cup guys to even go on to it. So yeah, I mean, the Arca Series was at the Springfield Mile. It's one of I think two mile long dirt tracks on their schedule that they still race at. I believe yep. it's here and Ducoin that are still on the schedule. And they've raced there forever. And they race, yeah, they've raced on the dirt here forever. They did it before NASCAR pulled that novelty out of their ass. Yep. You know. They did it before it was cool, man. Now, sprint car guy Buddy Kofoid and uh, Jesse Love Jr. were battling for the lead, and it was announced before the end of the race that because they had some delays and stuff, the state fair uh, had some event going on, so the race was going to end at 4 o'clock their time. I think it's central time, regardless. And as Kofoid and Jesse Love were coming down the front stretch, there was a lapped car that got a little wide off four and collected the wall, and it looked like they were kind of bottomed out on like the cushion down the straightaway like there's a little bit of dirt build up outside there it just stopped and the thing just started plowing dirt and just kind of stopped and or at least really slowed down now love it was really dusty as well so love kind of saw him and moved over but kofoid never saw him and he drilled the back of this car the guy's name was bryce hogeberg and he hit him so goddamn hard i'm pretty sure he split the fuel cell Luckily, there I was think it no was fire. the oil tank, actually. It could have been that, too. I mean, it looked like it was Same bad. area of the car. It, yeah. Everything was on the track. Everything was on the track. That car actually got upside down. He hit him so hard. And mm. just an awful wreck. But luckily, Kofoid was able to get out okay. Hogeberg, once they got that car righted, he got out okay. The race ended at that point at 75 of 100 laps with Jesse Love Jr. winning, but... My God, that was a <laughs> that. Yeah, that you know was... what? I'm gonna call it right now. We're gonna pencil this one in as a nominee for wreck of the year. Okay. Uh, yeah, definitely a nominee. Okay, that's Darf of the year. No, we're not going there yet. Wreck of the year. I got two for that. I'm not gonna give that away. Let's see, Bryce. I can't spell his name. I'll just do it later. Hang on. <laughs> I can't spell it. All right, so um. Yeah, that was a nasty wreck. All right, let's talk about Watkins Glen for a minute before we close this thing out because I'm not going to talk about the races. I don't care. I want to talk about IndyCar real quick. Okay, yeah, do that real quick because we mentioned that earlier because yeah. they had a double header with the Silver Crown series. Yeah, the, yeah, the Fat Bottom Girls, the Silver Crown cars on They're, the pavement at Worldwide Technology, Gateway, St. Louis, Missouri, Illinois. I love the Silver Crown cars. They were, uh, yeah, the new Susac uh, traditional record held by Cody Swanson at this race at 146 miles an hour. He uh, was a little bit faster than his uh, 2012 record in Iowa at 146. Now, what I say traditional is because yay number of years ago in 2006, there was the super speedway type silver crown cards, which is the ones you find on iRacing, the ones with the aerodynamic package and everything. Okay, now that record is like 175 miles an hour at Homestead in 2006. Yeah. Okay, so uh, yeah, no. Uh, That's yeah. a big old hell no. Yeah, heck, yeah, I would have loved to see that, but unfortunately, just they didn't market or be popular enough, you know. Uh, let's see, Bobby Santos the third would have a little bit of problems, and that's the one that he had to. This is the race where he had to skip, and why Ryan Priest was in the torque type modified at uh, Thompson, I think it was, mm-hmm. because it rained tour. out. Yeah, modified tour. Yeah, he had problems. Swanson would win that one. Uh, so anyway, so a little note there. IndyCar goes 187.9.709, so about 109 mile an hour average lap. Yep. Uh, Chase Briscoe has like the 
has the cup record there in 2022. Mm-hmm. He went 138 miles an hour average lap. So from 100, you know, 146 to 138, it's still the silver crown cars are moving more faster than the cup cars. That's an average lap. These That's guys average. were hitting the silver crown cars. These are just basically sprint cars on steroids. 170 miles an hour going into the corners. Yeah, and an nope. open cockpit type, you know, silver crown <laughs> nope. car. Phil won't even do it on iRacing. <laughs> I, I actually got on there and I tried the iRacing sprint car and nope. Nope. I love that. That's my favorite division on iRacing. I should get it. It's my it's favorite. It's free. Is it now? Yeah, the, because well, the it's original, so niche. The original one was, not the USAC car. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. It's so niche. You, they, you, they only run on Tuesday and Thursday nights. We could yeah. run it in our league, though. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah. Luckily, th- luckily for me, anyway, because I worked for a living, the the IndyCar race was rain delayed with 46 laps to go. And it was like rain delayed for like four hours so I could catch the end of it. So thanks, Rain. I appreciate it. I was it. wondering why it was still on after the cup race. Yeah. They rain delayed it for 46 to go because there's no stages. So pit strategy was everything. And. And this guy, David Malukas, who's a rookie, drives for Little Dale Coin Racing. He goes to the top three, like 20 to go, 10 to go. He's taken down the two Penske juggernauts of Scotty McLaughlin and Joseph Newgarden and goes by McLaughlin on the last lap, but just ran out on of time. On the top. Yeah, on the top. And just ran out of time. That's five wins for Newgarden. He pulls within three of, of Will Power. With two races to go, hmm. the top five is like down within like fifty points as far as the points are concerned, and there are no playoffs, no stage. It figures first place gets fifty points for a win. You you get a pole, you get a point. You lead a lap, you get a point. You get a you get the most laps led, you get two point. There are no stage points because they don't do that garbage. It's like willpower is at forty two. Uh, New Gardens at 479, and like fifth in points is 439. So it's like really tight with five to go. And the guy in fifth place in points is getting sued by his car owner. So, as bad as IndyCar was 20 <laughs> years ago, it is outstanding now. It's so entertaining. This has been one of the most entertaining years that we've that have been. I don't know. I thought it was entertaining last year too. I, I, I just loved IndyCar so much. And, it's just, it's the best kept secret in racing as far as I'm concerned. And I'm done with that. Let's move on That's to Watkins awesome. Glen. Yeah. It was the Kyle Larson show at Watkins Glen this weekend because uh, he swept the weekend winning both of the races, uh, Xfinity and Cup races. Um, he won the Xfinity race when Ty Gibbs and teammate William Byron made contact and spun, what, through the bus stop or something? Yeah, yeah I, did, I didn't see that incident happen. All I saw was just a brief clip, and I was like, well... Gibbs was on the inside. Well, I didn't realize Gibbs sent it in 10 men deep from, from two cars back. It was all taken, no give. Yeah, that was. <laughs> and then I think Byron spun him out in like, what's it called now? Turn six as you come back? I don't know. They should still call it an 11 turn road course. I don't care what you say. Yeah, yeah I don't know why they don't. I don't care. The bus stop is five, six, seven, eight. Okay, that's what it is. And then you go through a five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then you go through the bus, or you go through the uh, carousel. That's always been nine. Then you come back to ten, and the last turns eleven. That's always how it was, but now it's what seven yeah. turns? Bullshit. Yeah, the left turn into 
10. I've and never then the seen... right-hander is turn 11 coming on. It's a long front straightaway <laughs> going into the hardest turn in racing, which is turn one at Watkins Glen. It's the worst. I love it. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, it's they're, count, they're saying you don't turn the wheel four times on the straightaway when you go through the bus stop. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> moving on. But Ross um, Chastain didn't. I did not actually see what he did, so please fill us in. Uh, well, we'll get there when we talk the cup race. I'm, I'm not talking about the cup race. I'm just talking talking points. So, oh, this so, is your time. It was I, when when I think it was the beginning of stage three or something. Chastain just straddled the rumble strips on entry, half the car in the dirt, and cleaned out Austin Dillon. Yeah, this is his second kill on Austin Dillon this year. Like, no clue where the fuck he thought he was going. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Let's yeah see. That's, that's kill number there 13 or no 14. no chance of making the corner. Yeah, he never had a chance. And uh, is that and 13 or is that 13 or 14? chastained uh, Kimmy. Yeah, the bottleneck got Kimmy, and Kimmy was running around the top 10 all day. He was doing the best. Everyone else... That was all the foreign drivers except for Daniel Suarez who finished fifth. But all the other ones that that kind of made the novelty what it was for this race with all the foreigners, they all finished like in the 30s and whatever. But okay. Kimmy was the only one in the top 10 all day long. I did see Kimmy almost smile at one point during the weekend too. Yeah, he seemed like everybody was asking him questions like, why, why are you doing this? And he's like, I don't know. It seems like it would be fun. What do I have to lose? Stuff like that. He gave the well, generic interview. He didn't give the 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 gruff, dry Kimmy interview that we were accustomed to. Well, he wasn't when, drunk either. So when interviewed after the incident, though, he was directly asked if he would was going to come back and do it again, and he said, "I don't know. It was fun. Maybe." <laughs> Doors open. Doors open. He probably. I like that point. because before the race, he was saying, "No, this is a one-off." Well, you never know. I mean, he raced a bunch of times, and people don't remember, but he did race a bunch of times in like Xfinity and stuff earlier, back in the earlier yeah, 2000s. Yeah, Xfinity so, trucks. Yeah, he he's not like he doesn't have any NASCAR experience. So, I mean, it, it's definite possibility. And I've heard a lot of really positive things from this Project 91 thing that Trackhouse put together, that a lot of international people are actually interested in doing this now, and it's garnering a lot of international attention, especially drawing them to the sport so that people will watch because they know that name. They know it from Formula One or you know one of these other European type of racing programs or uh, endurance racing or something like that, or sports cars. So I bet you see Helio in it, or Helio, or however you want to say his name. Uh, Helicoil, got it. Helicoil. Uh, yeah, I'm sure he'll be in it, but Justin Marks is a businessman, and he knows that promotion attracts business, and it will yeah. attract sponsorship to his program, and he's bringing interest to the sport all at once. So he's, he's a better promoter. So than interesting Nas to listen to talk to. He's a better promoter than NASCAR is for their own product half the time. I mean, yes. <laughs> shoot. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. All right. Why don't we talk about the finish? Yes. Where there was, what, a late race restart. I'm watching it right now. It says five to go. Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott. And uh, Larson locks up a little bit, runs um, Chase Elliott a little wide, and takes the lead. I watched it right there, and I just basically told you what happened <laughs> he sent it in don't give up 
the preferred lane on a restart. Yeah, you come on, Corey. Fool. Yeah, well, I mean, why would you give up? Why would you ever give up the inside at Watkins Glen on the bottom when that is that is always the line that's going to be you know you're going to wash somebody out with. No. Hell, they they're lucky that AJ didn't stuff it three wide on the bottom and clean them both out. They. They think, he overshot it too. He locked them up. These guys That's think right. that they have an advantage by running the car out wide, by running the outside. But it's like, no, uh, you still have the next corner is another right hander, and if you're not clear, guess who has the preferred lane going into the S's? The guy you just led into the bottom. <laughs> like, what do we know? We're just podcasters now. Yeah, We're not well, even guess race what? Car drivers. Kyle Larson said, "Well, if he's giving me the preferred lane, I got to send it in there as hard as possible." He sent it in there as hard as possible, and he overstepped it by this much and locked up a break and went a little bit wide. Don't, I, I don't, don't think give him he the overstepped oppor- it at all. I think he knew what he was doing. Don't give him the opportunity either way, whether it's accidental or purpose. Don't give him that opportunity. Hey, does this remind you of anything, guys? Yes. California earlier this year? That was a while ago. Chase hasn't given him an inch, though, since then. So I, I wasn't surprised to see Kyle give it back like that. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it seemed to be a little bit of an extra diplomatic post-race interview. And uh, they have their team meeting today. So I wish I was a fly on the wall in that room. Yeah, I mean, again, we, yeah. we're we known to tell people that Kyle Bush is a whiny whatever you know, whatever his interview is because he speaks his mind and stuff. And it's probably hurting his contract negotiations at this point, but hearing, hearing that absolute vanilla response by Chase Elliott made my skin crawl because I was like, dude, you can at least give an interview and still be, you know, company minded and not just be an NPC and say, whatever's good for the company is good for me. That might've been, Talking points from the last team meeting. We don't know that. Well, that's well. Kyle Petty said it in the post race interviews and stuff too. That they had kind of a bird's eye view of that whole conversation after uh, Chase got out of the car, and he was pretty animated. So there was absolutely something said there before he went to the cameras. Absolutely. Yeah, there's no doubt there had to be a buffer. Yeah, it's the family's got a lot of buffers. At the same time, though, that was just a typical Chase Elliott interview. He's always like that. Yeah, yeah I just... Yeah. I've seen him snippy once, and that was at Harvick. Yeah, but again, I just... It's it's too vanilla. No, it's, he can do whatever interview he wants. I don't care. You know, he didn't threaten anybody. He didn't say anything. He just said his interview and moved on. Well, and and whatever. Well, the next race is Daytona. I wonder how drafting partners are going to be. You've got to stay tuned. Yeah, but... Again, Larson yeah. doesn't really need drafting partners at Daytona. He's already in very well. And, and I credit the, the media for, for attempting to do their job, but at the same time, stop asking them five times in a row in different wording if they were going to retaliate. Like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, please stop trying to... Ask him once. If he says no, move on. What a bunch yeah. of bloodsuckers, huh? Yeah, they're Jesus all after, they're only after the story and they want to sell the clicks and it's just That's yep. Nah. That's it. Yeah, it's like, so annoying. Just like CNN clicks. Yeah. yeah. There's no massaging it. There's no subtlety to it. It's just ram a microphone down their throat and just try to force feed a response from them. Yeah. That's it. So. All right. So I'm all done if the, if nobody else has anything else going on this week. 
I need to go take a nap. Child. Yeah. <laughs> Before I go to sleep. I'm glad we started the episode early so that I don't have to put this thing out at 11 o'clock at night. Sid sitting here going, thank God, I'm tired of hearing you guys talk. Well, this is definitely the longest episode ever. So I knew to start early, and I'm glad I did. I'm just glad I don't have to edit out the F-bombs. <laughs> Not anymore, right? There was only like five or six. It, it was kind yeah, of a light episode it was a little, for that. It was a little yeah. subtle this week. But, but it was probably over 20. Yeah, probably. So anyway, you can find this. Oh God, what's going on? Come here, bud. First, one minute. Roger's. Did he he break his break? No, his his sling fell off, and he's like, "Bro, I'm gonna do the end of this show, come hell or high water, regardless." He's a gamer. gamer, So, all right, you can find this podcast on every major podcast platform. You can find us on Instagram at Making Laps Podcast, Facebook.com/slash Making Laps Podcast. You can send us feedback to Making Laps Podcast at gmail.com or to anchor.fm slash making laps you can find me on instagram and twitter at brent gleason 01 you can find me on youtube at youtube.com slash brent gleason i just posted a cool video about racing where i suck and uh you can find phil at at pjx racing on facebook uh instagram twitter and youtube and you can uh find jesse here essentially on the show all right the, the the boy with his broken arm He's in position. He's a gamer. He's waiting for me to stop talking so he can finish, and I can fix his cast for him, or his sling, I mean. Boy, don't fall out of that chair, for the love of God. We've already got enough broken bones around here. How do we end this show? Yes, Jesse, please be a buffer. I'm going to Keep the door side down, stay on fence. Thank you for listening. I'm sorry I broke my arm. <laughs> me too, bud. Us too. Me too. I <laughs> fell off the bed, which is so hard to break your arm. <laughs> it's pretty easy, yeah. All right, thank you all for listening. Have a good week. Hurt like heck. I bet it did. It still hurts like heck.